0: Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Corks Red
1: FM. Morning, all. I mentioned it just as we were coming off air yesterday morning of uh, the man, the missing man, Barry Collin. Um, his funeral now has taken place in private. It's a front page of making the Echo today. He went missing in 2014, uh, and Gardaí confirmed yesterday that DNA analysis on the remains of the. Uh, led to the identification of Barry um, and um, he was buried yesterday in private and our thoughts are with the family. So that's the front page of Making the Echo. Both the Echo and the Examiner this morning talk about the collapse of a trial. Um, It's uh, the, the latest trial. It's the trial of a teenager accused of producing a knife during the incident that led to the death of the Cork student Cameron Blair, the murder of Cameron Blair, that trial has now collapsed. Um, I won't go into a whole lot of detail on it now, because I don't know what the next stage will be, uh, but um, there was a 16-year-old boy on trial at the Central Criminal Court uh, charged with produ- production of the knife at the house on the Abandoned Road at the time. Uh, but apparently uh, two key witnesses... Um, are, didn't, didn't show up. They just didn't turn up for court. Apparently, information came back to the court that both of them have gone to Ionapa in Cyprus. Uh, and the state believes that they did so uh, in order to avoid giving evidence. We would call that doing a runner. Um, they tried their best to get them back, and we're hopeful that they would, but they haven't. So that led to the jury having to be told yesterday that the trial would cease, and the trial has collapsed. Um, you heard and you hear all of the time, and I, I, I worry in the sense that this is everything that goes up has to come down. Uh, and, you know, you keep on blowing a balloon, keep on blowing a balloon, keep on blowing... Bang! bursts And house prices are rising by uh, €500 Euro a week now. And this is an angry story, an angry financial story, if you like. And this surge, the central is saying, will continue all this year and all next year. Um, and it's a front page of making the mail today. Uh, but it kind of dovetails onto another story that makes the examiner that says that the solo age, the age of a solo first-time buyer, this is somebody buying a home upon their own, has now risen uh, to forty. percent Two, yeah now, if you look at it uh, and you you go back, say ten, twelve years or something, you 'd be talking about somebody being thirty four years old buying their first home on their own now and now it 's forty two and that figure of course, will continue to change as property prices continue to get. Higher and higher, and, and and no longer is it just urban areas, um, or indeed even satellite towns that are seeing prices increase. It's everywhere. It's rural areas and, and villages and coastal properties, and the lot. The mail this morning uh, identifies a few. Uh, one that would interest us is, is Skull, which apparently has had a huge increase, a high premium on houses down in the Scully area where people want to move to or um, you know maybe we're originally from there but we're working in, in city areas or maybe even working overseas and now we're working remotely and want to come back again uh, we've all heard of antigen testing we've all heard of the collapse of the aviation industry um, we've all, all heard that uh, Tony Houlihan doesn't like the idea of antigen testing at, airline, at airports uh, despite the fact that um, people uh, it's not all. It's not just about people going on a sun holiday You know, it's about jobs and it's actually about families too and people working for airlines and people servicing airlines and the businesses uh, that also benefit from what they provide to airports and airlines and indeed the staff themselves. So uh, while all this has been rolling out over the past couple of days with Houlihan very unhappy with uh, antigen testing, um, I'm not quite sure what wording he used but uh, he, he said it's a bit like just a, you know, like sticking your finger up in the air and just hoping for the best but you got the freedom of the city of Dublin yesterday which was quite interesting uh, so Electric Picnic's been uh, knocked back by three weeks, uh, you can kind of half understand because the longer they try and delay, big money item, big big number item where lots and lots of people gather imagine the better if at all possible without cancelling probably better to delay a little bit if you can get more and more people vaccinated so there's a lot of stories on festivals making the papers like the sun this morning says electric festival news picnic plan for late september Um, vaccinated can travel on the continent of course from july 19th and it's good to focus on these things if you're fully vaccinated or you've had COVID in the past and what have you. And then of course something we've been dealing with that I have from time to time here is uh, people who won't go back to work are are happier to claim the pop payment or indeed those that are making civ- significantly more amounts of money on pop than they ever would with their part-time job. There was an interesting one that made the courts yesterday and uh, it's a court report in the echo of Luke Carroll from Mahan. He pleaded guilty to 28 counts of theft at Cork District Court. Uh, he claimed uh, 8,000 euro in pandemic unemployment payments. He claimed 8 grand in pop while he had a job. Um, and he uh, he was in court yesterday, where his solicitor said that the accused had some addiction issues and uh, was keen to make repayments by way of weekly weekly deductions from his wages. Uh, but the judge said it was too late to come up with that idea now, and uh, he should have come up to court with some compensation if that was what he was proposing to do. You know, it would have been good. Uh, indicator if he'd some cash with him so he imposed a a four-month sentence uh, jailed him for four months it was interesting work by the guard involved in this because he said the case came to light when the guard was making inquiries about another matter and discovered that carol was on pup while actually in full-time employment in a call center so the guard started taking a closer look at this uh, and he saw that he was working obviously while on job seekers and Working and employment, but similarly, uh, he was later on the PUP payment uh, while also working, so he had lots of opportunities to do to stop what he was doing, doing but didn't. The guards are also warning uh, at this stage now all. Prefixes for mobile phones could be deemed as being dodgy or scam if you don't recognise the number up to and including 087 and 087 now is being used as a new scam purporting to be from the Garda Shekana so again rule of thumb if you don't recognise the number don't answer the phone papers also this morning talk about uh, you know uh, judges who, who, um, who feel that they are the easy target for social media flack um, and there's an interesting conversation with the Supreme Court judge um, where he was saying that that people deem judges and politicians... I love your thoughts on this. People judge judges and politicians as being the so-called elite, remote from day-to-day life, who make decisions that affect society. Um, and that judges were increasingly being cast in this role together with politicians and that they were an easy target because they cannot answer back. Well, that is the, the incoming Chief Justice, to some extent, I suppose, answering back. But I suppose judges can only be judged on um, how they carry on within their court, or the sentencing, or lack of sentencing, or harsh sentencing, or light sentencing, that they actually give down. I mean, are they suggesting that they're not open uh, to criticism? Are they suggesting that people are not entitled to have an opinion of our judiciary and how our courts are run? After all... We pay their wages. Papers also this morning talk about, um, this is interesting. <laughs> well, this said put the cat among the pigeons, all right. Story in the mail saying, women of childbearing age should be banned from drinking alcohol. Um, and that's not some kind of a nut job now saying that. That's the WHO, the World Health Organization. I hear you saying, I thought you said it wasn't a nut job. Um, a new draft action plan now. Calls on countries to raise awareness of alcohol-related harm. I mean, it is a serious story, but you often would hear also the odd gynecologist saying that from time to time the odd glass of wine or the odd glass of beer would do no harm whatsoever. But banning it altogether—thoughts uh, on that, please. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We have two huge, heavy-hitting brands in Ireland. One is Guinness, and the other is Pennies. Which one of them would you say is the most valuable brand? Guinness or pennies? If you said Guinness, you'd be wrong. It's pennies. According to the Star of the Sun this morning, a staggering 2.1 billion. Most valuable brand worth a staggering 2.1 billion. And they're not even online. I mean, it's amazing. Lots of foodie-related stories in the papers this morning. And beverages as well. From one beverage to another. And kind of infatuated with a few stories at the moment. The Gallagher Brothers and Ronaldo and the Coke Bottles. I have a boring life, don't we? But um, the star this morning says that Cristiano has been accused of total and utter hypocrisy for endorsing junk food and pushing away Coke bottles. He set aside the two bottles of Coca-Cola um, and Coke are a big sponsor of Euro 2020. Uh, and uh, uh, Sorry, Euro 20, yeah, they call it 2020, even though it's 2021. Uh, and, and I think they've been quite patient about it, Coke, haven't they? I may, they might be freaking out in the backwards, uh, background, I don't know. But this morning, the star has two different photographs. One of Ronaldo pushing away the Coke bottle and holding up the water bottle. And next to it, Ronaldo with a huge, big bucket of KFC... And a third photograph of Ronaldo advertising McDonald's. (laughs) You can't win. Other stories relating to food. Kids, many kids, well, there's something like 20% of kids anyway, Irish kids, have never heard of a cauliflower. They have never heard of turnips. They have never heard of peppers. They have never eaten a kiwi, a peach, or a plum. And they're also suggesting, Boffins in the Star, that you should replace bacon with seaweed. You can buy seaweed now. And they say that it's a lovely food treat and it's a snack. And I tasted some of it up in Aaron again recently. And it's awful. Uh, no disrespect to those that produce it, I think it's an acquired taste, but not for me. It's a very strong, harsh taste. Unless the packet that, unless I got a bad packet of crisps or something. Uh, but the seaweed that I tasted didn't taste anything like bacon. Absolutely not. Lines open one 104 106 Lots to get through between now and midday. Here we go. The Neil Prenderville Show.
0: With Tesco. A little help makes a big difference.
1: Uh, yesterday, of course, we were given away, and again today, Photo uh, Wildlife Park vouchers. You have an opportunity to win another one again today, courtesy of ourselves in Photo Wildlife Park. Take the family off um, to Photo uh, for the day. Now, yesterday's sound uh, was won, actually. It was won by um, Margaret Barry from Mount Nebo Avenue and Grana Braher Avenue, even. So, um, this was the sound. And you would think it's a bird, right? You really and truly would. But it's not actually a bird. This is a cheetah, a cheetah. Yeah, not only is it the fastest land animal in the world today, But um, it also sounds like a bird. Um, So well done. Congratulations. Family pass for you, Margaret Parry. And today we have another one. So here's another audio clip for you. Don't call just yet, please, if you don't mind. I'll be opening the phone lines uh, around about a quarter to midday. But this is the one you need to identify. I'm hearing it for the first time myself, incidentally. (coughs) That's like a a child being pushed on a swing by a lion. One more time. Listen. Yeah. Child pushed on a swing by a lion. I have a vivid imagination. (laughs) I played a couple of times. Not. Between now and midday. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter. At Neil Red FM. Monday's program, of course, we were chatting with uh, Julie Marks on air. She got in touch and she said she was looking to try and find two lads. And we did find them from the Mal Beach uh, in Yall on Sunday. I mean, to call it a beach actually would be inviting people to go and swim there and I'm not recommending that at all because uh, Julie was down there with her daughter and her daughter's friend and she was getting things ready, you know, and turned her back only for a couple of seconds and before she knew it, the two girls were inside in the water struggling, struggling badly. Now, two lads came and that was Monday's programme and last week, of course, was I uh, heard of the horror story of the 23-month-old boy who drowned in the paddling pool at the family home up in uh, County Roscommon. And that's not the first paddling pool drowning. That We've heard of, of course, and we, we also hear of all sorts of rescues and sadly drownings at sea. And when the weather is good, of course, people flock to the beaches. They really and truly do. But you can't take your eyes off your kids. And someone that would know that more than anybody is the one and only wonderful Amanda Cambridge, who lost her own son, little three-year-old Avery, who drowned in a pool in Alicante in Spain, in two thousand and nineteen. We've spoken on a couple of occasions in the past. She joins me by phone again this morning. Amanda, good morning.
2: Good morning to you. God and there's an introduction.
1: <laughs> every time you hear of a tragedy like that, or even a sunny day when temperatures are about to soar, how, how does that does that make you worry?
2: It does. I I break out in a cold sweat. Uh, you know, um and to hear those those stories over the last few weeks, I suppose, it just brings it all back, and uh, you know, you feel like kicking yourself, you know, because um, it, it it continues to happen, and it's an accident, and you know, you 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 can't take your eyes off your children for a second around water, mm. um, and that that's what we're that's what we're trying to do here with the hold hands.
1: And and that's something that you started um, a couple of years back. Certainly, nearly two years ago. Anyway, wasn't it hold hands because we spoke of that last time you visited when when you could visit studios and things like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, over a year in the in the making. Mm. Um, you know, one of my friends, Leanne Mavely, had contact in uh, Water Safety Ireland, Martin O'Sullivan. So she emailed Martin and explained, you know. What we wanted to do, would they support us? And yeah, they've backed us all the way and they've been instrumental in getting hold hands off the ground and a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of bouncing ideas off each other, you know, trying to get it into the preschools, giving it to caregivers, uh, getting it into the curriculum in a safe way, And, that and can
1: understand. And and they can understand because it's in a very colourful, child-friendly booklet, isn't it?
2: It is. It's it, You know, it's, it's not done in a scary way. Um, the scenarios we use are, you know, there's a little boy in one of them, he's making a paper boat and it has gone into the lake and we're saying, you know, don't follow your toys if they blow away, if they float away, don't follow them. Just let them go. You're,
1: um, thinking at it, you're thinking of it through a child's eyes, aren't you?
2: We are, we are, because uh, you know, children of that age between three and five, they're so cur- curious. They want they want to know what it's all about. They see the excitement in the water. They want to get in. They want to splash. They want to play their games. They don't see they don't see the other side of it as being dangerous. Mm. Uh, as you, you can drown, you can get hurt. You know, even um, I heard a story recently that a poor child got their hand stuck in, do you know, the pumps in the pool. Mm. Because they were curious about the pump, they put their hand into the pump and ended up getting their hands stuck in this pump in the pool. So water can be fun, but it can also be so, so dangerous and they, they don't they don't see the side, they don't see the danger, unfortunately.
1: And the idea of hold hands, is it exactly that, to hold hands?
2: It is exactly that to hold hands with an adult around water, around lakes, because drowning just doesn't happen in pools. It can happen on a farm, a beach, at home. You know, in your in the bath, uh, your lakes, your streams, your ponds, slurry pits. You can drown in a bucket of water. God, I know, yeah, I know. You know, and um, it's, it's, it's it's and the more I, I suppose I've come to accustom to saying this stuff now, but it's still frightening. Um, and yeah, we just want the preschool teachers and the caregivers, you know, to give it a go. Take thirty minutes, you know, to get the storyboards out, explain it to the children, have fun, uh, use everything that's in the pack. Um, so yeah, just have fun with it. And when will they?
1: When will it be? Is it? When will it be on the curriculum as such?
2: Well, we've actually we've actually rolled it out already. We sent out over four thousand packs to preschools around Ireland. And have they
1: started working with the, with the kids?
2: They have. Over the last few days, um, I've been inundated or inundated with photographs and messages saying that um, you know we've received our pack. We're going to do it this week because it is Water Safety Week, and uh, they're going to sit down with the children and explain it and have fun with it. Um and the message and the photographs are coming in, and it, it it's a, it's bittersweet really um
1: and is Avery's story told to the kids
2: in, no it's not mm. it's not no no um there is a lift there is a lift letter in in the pack um I suppose it's in memory of Avery, so it, it explains who I am and who Avery was and what we're trying to do but no it's it's not um it's not explained to the kids it's not told to the kids but it is explained to the caregiver as to why we are giving out the whole hand yeah, pack yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and the, the storyboards are colorful they're very eye catching you know uh, early childhood ireland came on board and they explained to us how to grab their attention and what we should use in a safe way that they understand and how to translate it so, oh, yeah, they were very proud, very proud to be part of this and very proud, you know, that it's kicking off here in Ireland. Who did all? In the, who did like the graphics,
1: it? incidentally? Because uh, they are very child-friendly, very cartoony, lots and lots of colour, lots of umbrellas and sunshine and ice creams and all the things you just saw. Who did all of that?
2: Oh, his, name, his you are actually you have to put me on the spot. I know his name is John and I'll, I'll actually send it it's on to you for the late me. I cannot. Yeah. It is and it's really good. Um, you know, kind of grabs their it grabs their attention, and hopefully, the children can see themselves in one of these little children on the on the boards. Uh, you know, and they wear their life jackets.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that about about life jackets or, or flotation devices or arm rings or just being able to teach kids how to swim. All that's important too, isn't it?
2: All that is important. So what we're well, what we're saying is, you know. Uh, if you're at the beach, swim where there's lifeguards. If you're at the beach, swim between the flags. No, I'm not a fan at all of the inflatables. They're not for open water. Um, as far as life jackets go, they're there. To, if you have them, use them. Uh, if you don't have them, invest in them. They're great. And they give you peace of mind as well. No, I'm not talking about the. You know, you get those cheap versions of the life jackets and they're made of the material that a paddling pool would be made of, that's yeah. plastic and you have to blow them up. Yeah. They 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 don't sit well with me, um because they can puncture.
1: Are you saying ones it, that react when they t- when they hit water, is it?
2: For for all the world they would be like the armband, but they're um they're a cheap version. No, of those, and
1: what you're uh, encouraging to people to, to use is the ones that they inflate when they hit water.
2: No, 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 not no, not the, not those ones because obviously, uh, the ones I'm talking about they're made of nylon. I uh, they soak up the water. I uh, they you, you can get them. I think Matthew sell them. They and range they,
1: from they soak up the water and you just float and can swim with them on.
2: Yes, yes, they're the ones that are, that that would be recommended. Uh, by Irish Water Safety. And if, um, if
1: pa- parents buy them and then the kids say, oh no, I don't want them, they're annoying, please don't make me wear them?
2: I know, I know. Uh, she, we, we had, even with armbands, we have that problem ourselves. But we're saying, you know, if you start from an early age, the children will get used to wearing them. Uh, take them off when, when, obviously, when they're not in the water because they are. They do get they do get wet and it can be annoying and it can be an irritant to the skin uh, take it off when you come out of the water but just make sure you you put it back on and you know just instill, instill in them that we have to be safe we have to hold hands we have to wear our life vests, our yes, life jacket know. you know when they get old when they when they get older they will be able to under, understand the dangers of water but I just think three to five year olds at the minute they 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 don't
1: get it. They well, just see the fun, the th- fun th- side. I don't know whether you heard the story on uh, on Monday actually, Amanda, of, of the two girls down down in Yall, where the, you know one minute they're in two or three inches of water and maybe six inches or a foot of water, not realizing because it was uh, an area where obviously fishing trawlers would would come in, uh, but there was a massive ledge um, and a complete nutter drop. It was it was yeah, scary. That,
2: that that's there as well, you know. Know, know the depth of the water. I don't know how old, how old those girls were. Uh,
1: six and seven, I think. Maybe seven and eight, but certainly no older.
2: Yeah, and you know, they, you know, the mother was just getting her bag ready, you yeah. know, sorting stuff out, and they were gone. Yeah. Um. And I'm just so grateful that who that the person that went in to get them, you know, was there, yeah. and yeah. they came home and. They came home safely. We want everyone, you know, to have a great water experience um, and return home as a family.
1: Um, you got it across the line. All credit due to you two on that one.
2: Thank you so, thank you so much. How, for, are,
1: it, it, how are you bearing it's, up it's yourself? Grief. Yeah, how are you, you know, getting?
2: How it, are you it coping? Is
1: how are you getting on? Um,
2: you know, we're, we're kind of we're, we're coming out the other side of you know, loss and heartache, and we started to live again and laugh again and we're just taking one day at a time you know it's coming up to his second anniversary now on the 12th of August and I suppose organising something to do that and you know to take our mind off um, memories and uh, you know the heartbreak the the torture
1: the The what ifs the what if I did this differently um, or this didn't happen or we didn't go there yeah
2: oh, we have what what ifs every every day, every week. But no, um, life is good and, you know, the girls are good. And uh, yeah, we're just, we we have to live. We have to, you know, we never get over it, but we we have to move on in some way. And I think this is a great uh, legacy for Avery and a great tribute to Avery. And we hope uh, we can save lives. And we're asking people to, you know, hold hands and hold hands for Avery
1: hold hands for Avery what a beautiful way to put it thank you so much I'm delighted to have had an opportunity to catch up with you uh, and to wish you all the best going forward you've made a massive difference you said you would do it and you've done it so well done for that
2: thank you so much
1: alright Amanda take care of yourself
2: thank you take care bye bye
1: all the best that's Amanda Cambridge Greta good morning
3: good morning Neil how are
1: you? Uh, very well you just heard my chat with Amanda
3: I'm so I'm so impressed. I'm so delighted um, the reason I text in is I'm involved with um, Ladybirds, which are five to seven year old girl guides, um, and I'm on the, the national branch committee of it as well. And I just think if we could work with her, um, we could get a water safety badge using her template, maybe or something, or do a challenge because most of our girls start when well, they start at five to seven. What is so la- you're so
1: what's you're the national Ladybird branch national committee. committee? What is that of the guides? Is it?
3: Of the girl guys, the Irish oh, girl guys. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, like we, we, we develop, we'll say, different challenges and different badges or stuff like that for that age group, you know what I mean? So we'd have different programs going during the years and we also have, we'll say, our honorary our program going as well. Like they do, uh, they grow, um, they have different challenges during the year that they must do to obtain different badges. But it's all geared to five to seven-year-old girls, you know? So, um,
1: so, yeah, it's a, that is just a super idea because that would stretch it out more than just creches or primary schools. Yeah, it would be into yeah. uh, sporting groups or the interior groups, guides, yeah. scouts, things yeah, like guys, that. Yeah,
3: guides, scouts, whatever, yeah. yeah. Just, I just see, please, that's a great idea because we're always trying to come up with new ideas, you know what I mean, to teach girls interested but keep them safe at the same time. You and know, what age
1: group are you dealing with? Do you work with?
3: Well, I work with all the age groups, actually, in guiding. Um, I'm the... the um, Local commissioner here in Mallow as well. So I have the ones are five to seven year olds, brownies are seven to ten, guys are ten to fourteen, and senior branch are fourteen plus. So we actually have four units. And I suppose the there's members huge members.
1: amounts of awareness within the guides, just like there would yeah. be in the scouts of safety, yeah. all sorts of different aspects oh, all, of safety.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like outdoors, like, you know, uh, leave no trace when we're outdoors or at. Um, different, we'll say, events that we might run, you know, that everything is taken into, into consideration, you know what I mean? Um, the environment, everything. But I just, when well, listening to your late this morning, oh my God, I was so impressed. Um, and I'm thinking, like, I have a three-year-old granddaughter as well, and I'm thinking, even for her, you know what I mean? I was saying, oh, yes, that's brilliant now, because she just loves water, you know what I mean? Um, she's a water baby-like. But, you know, I just thought, like... Yeah, that'd be great, well listen I, I
1: can I can certainly yeah. put you guys in touch anyway and make that yeah. happen and see what becomes of it. Can just before I'll let you go and, and and well done for that initiative it's another great one. Uh, how popular are guides now?
3: Um still very popular now. Myself my own unit here in town have closed since the pandemic because um I was looking after my mother in Cork so um uh, some have continued on Zoom and now they're meeting outdoors. I hope to go back in September. Yeah,
1: but say comparison, like, like if there was no, from when, the, when there wasn't any COVID and, you yeah. know, I mean, I'm talking it's about happened. numbers, popularity yeah. 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 to say 10 or 20 years ago.
3: Um, I would say the popularity is probably a bit higher at the moment. Um, I think like in my own unit, we've gone back to basic and a lot of things. We have a lot of families, a lot of sisters, you know, and daughters of girls that would have been in brownies and guys, Um you know, like, here in Mallow, we had over 100 uh, members between the four um, groups, so that was very healthy. Um, and, you know, it generally had about 11,000 members in, in uh, Ireland, um, you know, so that that's healthy enough, like, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, they
3: yeah. got Like, they were having an international camp, but it's actually a virtual international camp this year uh, called Octagon in August, bank college weekend, well, it's supposed to be in County Mead, but due to COVID, had to be switched. Um, so, like, there's loads of activity.
1: No, I just as would have thought that maybe office, by yeah. comparison to, say, a couple of decades ago, there will be a lot more alternatives, yeah. not, not necessarily yeah. oh, healthy yeah, alternatives are, uh, as I, well.
3: Yeah, I find that all right. Like, compared to when I was a guy, like, you were only, like, a brownie. Um, there was probably only brownies and, and uh, GA to go. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where now, like, they've horse riding, they've everything else. But you'd be surprised. There's girls out there that, don't like sports, but we love, you know, guys, you know, or, or brownies or laid birds. Um, like in laid birds, you start off really with about teamwork and, you know, um, you know, you can't be in everything. Like, you know what I mean? It's all about sharing. Like their matter is sharing caring. parents. Yeah. So like, you know, and then brownies is laying the hand, So they're taking on a bit more responsibility.
1: You robbed and that, you robbed that, that motto from Barney the dinosaur, yeah. did you?
3: <laughs> so, and then, um, guys, then is, is, is be prepared, which always was the guy to uh, matter. You know, you robbed that, that from the
1: scouts, good. did you? We did not rob. That. <laughs> be olive, we used to say in the markiev's yeah. and the scouts, with our three fingers up in the air. Be olive, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. never quite yeah. sure what we were supposed to be olive for, though.
3: I know, I know, I know. But you like isn't it great like isn't it great to go back to things that, you know, we did as children and got great fun out of. You know, I remember taking a group to Killarney a few uh a good few years ago now, and uh we were staying in a hostel in Killarney, we brought Brownies down to Killarney for a few days and uh guys and we went walking, we were staying out in the hospital near Muckross, and we were walking through the woods and they were there. But what if we get lost, Greta? And I said, Well you just turn around and come back out. You know, and then um, I would try to give them compass readings. And so how would you know which way was north in you know, a wood, Like the moss goes north, like, you know, on the tree. And then they came along then and there was a tree after falling over the, over the pathway, you know, the little trail. And they were saying, you'll never you'll never get over that, Greta. You'll never get over that But I, well, I can get under it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's all about building memories, building friendship. Um, like in my own unit, I have nine different schools coming to Brownie's. That those girls would never have mixed before, you know? Yeah, what I, mean? I know,
1: I know. Um, you make great friends and great yeah, adventures. And then, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, and then yeah. in guys we find that um we have about uh, seven seven different schools and guys then and then when they go to secondary schools, who do they veer towards but their guy friends because <laughs> you know, the the townies and the countries, you know? We're all mixed.
1: We're all mixed. All right. Well listen, thanks for sharing the stories. We had a couple of laughs as well. I'll put you in touch yeah. with Amanda Cambridge and see if we can make that happen for you, all right?
3: Okay, that's brilliant. All okay. the best. Cheers.
4: <laughs>
1: take care. Take care. I, I love the scouts, actually. And I love the Makhievs before it. I don't think it's called Makhievs anymore. Probably Sc- Cubs or something like that. Absolutely. It used to be on a Friday night down in the, in the hall in, in Blackrock, the 17th cork it was. And boy. It was just an action-packed thing every Friday night. It was just such, such fun. And then, of course, you do a bit of orienteering. You go away for the day. You go out to Cully or stuff like that. You go to a couple of jamborees. At On one stage, you went overseas to Kent in 76, that long, hot summer of 76. It was just amazing lots and lots of fun. I think scouting got hurt a little bit though because of a lot of controversy a lot of controversy and a lot of uh, unfortunately one or two uh, dodgy scout leaders and that was very unfortunate but um, by and large it was a great, great time. Lines open at one 850 106
0: Text the Neil Prenderville Show now 86 8104 RED FM. So
1: there's a long summer ahead of us and for many it's already started and hopefully it'll be a good one but it's important to keep safe. Uh, the Cork Independent these days doing some lovely holiday guide articles uh, maybe it's even on a weekly basis I see Geraldine Fitzgerald has a great article this week talking about a holiday guide for the summer and how the hotels are on board and maximizing all of their services and putting together lists of interesting things for guests to do and all sorts of getaways for families couples guys girls things like that she's honing in on places like uh, obviously Clonakilty, obviously West Cork is featuring in their lakes and forests and castles and um, she sums it up actually With three simple words in the article saying, Ireland is gorgeous. And the options are there, whatever it could be, whether you want to go up the country to the Rock Cashel or up to Newgrange or take a cruise down the Shannon or go and hang out in a posh treehouse in Donegal or a lakeside yurt. In Athlone, things you would never have heard about in Ireland even ten years ago, I'd say, because everybody was so busy legging it on an aeroplane. Um, I was in town on Monday, uh, and I unfortunately, um, didn't get time yesterday to say hi to all of the staff that were serving on, uh, particularly on Prince's Street where I was. Um, this was all of the different staff: the waiting staff, the uh, the service staff, the chefs, and everybody, because they were working flat out. And we ate in uh, in Clancy's and Miriam. Uh, was waiting on our table and she was absolutely terrific and I promised her a shout-out on the air yesterday morning and I ran out of time. So a special shout-out to Miriam this morning. Thanks for everything. But while on the Grand Parade, this this gentleman came over to me whose name I don't know and if he told me I wasn't listening, well, I don't remember, I don't think he did, he, he came up and he said, Neil, Neil, I remember you, I met you outside Smith's Toys. Years ago, you were buying your boy's first bike. Now the boy is 27 So the first bike was probably I don't know 24 years ago 23 years ago Whatever But he turned out to be One of the most interesting characters And we stood there In the Grand Parade Just chatting The lovely cork chats You can have with characters He was a bowler All his life A bowler. And of course, remember to the great Mick Barry who lofted the viaduct. He told me some great bowling stories. You just stand there for hours listening to Cork stories like that. Or the time that himself and a bunch of guys bowled with a yank who had more money than sense. Up the, up Oliver Plunkett Street. They had a score of bowels of an evening up Oliver Plunkett Street. <laughs> Stories like that. So I want to say good morning to him as well. I don't know who your name is, pal, but thank you so much for stopping by and chatting. It was lovely. Please could you give my men- a mention to my wife, Eilish today, Thursday. She retired yesterday. We've been married for 30 wonderful years, have two grown up children, and we're very proud of her. She's been nursing for the past 42 years in the Mercy, and the last 10 years in the outpatients department, where she never missed a day. Now, she was due to retire last year, but decided not to go with everything going on in the world. She's very dedicated to the job and a credit to her profession. She was a a great help to me and the family when my brother was very ill for her caring nature and expertise at a difficult time. She really loved nursing, and I think she was born for the job. Maybe you could also throw in a mention to her great workmates in the outpatients department. So... To all of those, but most importantly to Eilish, who uh, retired yesterday um and uh, give her a big shout out today. And Jar Bowen was in touch, uh, your husband, and he's passing on his love and so say all of us. So job done. Um, also yesterday's program featured some harrowing stories from people who... um we're just desperate to get a house, and some of them uh, are. Their clock is ticking, and that's got to be an awful thing. Waking up every morning with the anxiety of another day gone and another day closer to having no new, no home. Uh, huge amounts of comments on that, including uh, comments following on from my uh, chat with uh, Ken O'Flynn on housing. And also on Spring Lane. So if you wouldn't mind, I just want to get through some of those now. Uh, and this is just a selection. There was one house put up on the choice-based letting website today, Neil, for all Cork City and County. There is no supplier housing. One house was put up yesterday. Perhaps you should ask Ken O'Flynn, does you know anything about rebuilding Ireland? My daughter applied in January for a mortgage and has heard nothing. She has a good job. She's paying a bomb in rent for an apartment. Why don't they give her more help to people like her who have the money, who want to buy their own property? Richie says, interestingly, the media will always take the opportunity to heap praise on Jacinda Ardern. Yet they shut up shop when she solves New Zealand's housing problems by banning foreign nationals from buying homes and banning foreign entities from investing in housing, says Richie and Toker. Well, the reason I never mentioned that was because I never thought that she did that. And I think it's, it's, um, it's quite a dangerous thing to do, isn't it? Banning people who come to live in your country, to work in your country from ever buying a house. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, I've been offered a house recently by C- Cork City Council, which I never bid on. I refused the house due to numerous reasons, and I've been now punished, and I've had 12 months removed from my time on the housing bidding list. Um, I want to feel sympathy for you, and if I knew the reasons why you refused the house, I probably would feel sympathy for you. If you want to share the reasons as to why you refused what was probably going to be a perfectly good house from Cork City Council. Uh, there wouldn't be so many people on the housing list if the government would do something to give people a chance to buy one. The banks are blocking us and everyone else. They're refusing so many. If we can pay high rent, for God's sake, we can pay a mortgage. Neil, uh, with refer- reference to Colonel Flynn on the air yesterday, is he for real? We as foreigners living here have the same issues with housing. Um, I don't regard you as a foreigner if you're living here, incidentally. Um, this is your home. You're not a foreigner anymore. So I know why you think yourself as one of those. Um, You don't. Anyway, we as foreigners living here have the same issues with housing, and you don't get. uh, You don't just get handed all the benefits when you emigrate to Ireland. We went through the ringer buying a house, just like every Irish person. We have two great wages, and even getting a top up for the renovation is not possible. When my husband was laid off, he didn't even qualify for workers' allowance. I think Kenneth Flynn was saying yesterday as well that there's over ninety different spoken languages in Cork now. that used to be the way uh, hundred 150 years ago, when we were a huge international dock uh, as part of the British Empire. All sorts of different languages been spoken in the city. Uh, there's a house in my area that is belonged to the council. It's been empty since 2005. My son wants to buy it. We approached a local council for advice twelve months ago. He came back to us to say the council had forgotten about the property. They'd forgotten about it. I've had no success myself trying all doors. They all seem to be closed and the house remains empty and closed, says Michelle. Yeah, I mean, you will hear our stories like that, but the housing stock that's empty continues to drop, actually. And and I think sometimes we need to try and, in spite of the uh, frustrations that people go through, we need to try and accentuate the positive. Um, you know, there was a time when there was hundreds and hundreds of houses boarded up in Cork. They're trying to knock out as many as they can. As quick as they can, I'm told. Just a quick one about houses in Cove. There's a three bed house in a relatively new estate, never ever lived in, totally empty, overgrown, front and back. Nama apparently own it, or someone like that. Um, another one here. Tell that woman uh, or any of those that are desperate for a house that there is a detached house in Waterfall for rent. It's a bungalow, thirteen hundred and fifty. It's probably gone already. There's also a four-bed house for thirteen eighty-seven in Lee Valley Cottages, and one or two quick ones. We were struck off the council housing list uh, four months ago with no notice whatsoever. Our, our waiting time was ten years. Ten years on the list. We're a family of four: two young kids, one vulnerable, um, one parent, two young kids. Oh, two parents, one one kid vulnerable. After getting an explanation, the council said our income was over the threshold. It was not. It appears that they made an error. We gave them the correct documents, pay slips, welfare slips, receipts. After communicating with them, they sent our file back for review and we were told we'd hear back within two or three weeks. That was four months ago since we were knocked off the list. Since then, I'm emailing and emailing all the relevant people being completely ignored. We have no idea what happened or what's happening regarding our housing situation. We're in limbo, a young family in limbo. Um, Another fast one here, there are two apartments empty for over a year on the north side. The doors and the windows are blocked. Nothing's happening. Nice, nice apartments. There's also a house near me. Uh, Neighbours bought their own house and moved out in March. It's still empty. Houses are there. It's just people who look after empty units should start doing their job. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's many more besides that. Back in a moment.
3: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie.
1: Red FM. To the lady that was on the air yesterday, amongst many, who was looking for a new home to rent, doesn't she realise how lucky she is? While I understand their current apartment may be small, at least they have their own space for now. I'm a single mother with two kids living at home with my parents. I worry every single single day about ever having my own space with my children. Why are they prioritizing a wedding over buying a home? That truly baffles me. They need to take a minute to realize how grateful they should be. Now, everybody has a story to share and I appreciate that they come on air to share them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will agree with their point of view or the situation they find themselves in. And that's a reference to a lady who is in an apartment. It is in an apartment. It's tiny, but it's also saving for a wedding. And during the chat yesterday, She was telling me that it could cost around about 10 grand. And I was wondering, was that money well spent? That was the conversation referenced there. And there's another couple of texts on that. My God, she's on air looking for a house so they can save for their wedding and then save for buying their own house. And a baby on the way? Everything is the wrong way around. Um, Your conversation baffled me, and you were right when you suggested 10,000 would go a long way towards a mortgage for a house. Would you not go and get married on a beach and set up a few tables? Chances are she's going to spend more than 10 grand on the wedding because that's what happens. They are such a waste of money, weddings. Save the 10 grand, girl. Get a nice place of your own for your family instead. Can I stay with weddings for a moment? Because I just took a flyer yesterday and I was talking about people who actually um, don't spend huge amounts of money on say for instance wedding dresses and others who do who then subsequently go on to sell them rather than looking at them in the, in the cupboard or looking at them in the press or inside in their wardrobe year in year out and I was mentioning one particular girl that I heard about last week who had a beautiful wedding in the most gorgeous wedding dress for 45 euro uh, so weddings can be expensive I'm not so sure that uh, the texter is right saying that weddings are a waste of money as long as you have a great day I suppose and you have the memories from it but anyway, Chloe, good morning
3: Hi Neil, how well, are you? Fair
1: play to you, you got married in October 2019 back I in the did. day when you could have pretty big weddings anyway for sure
3: I know, yeah. I know, I was so lucky to be honest, I was just delighted after it all, you know, to get it in How, how many were, how m- just
1: just make people jealous, how many people were at it?
3: Only about 40 to 45, ah, maybe that's 50. Tiny I know, do you know what, it was perfect though, it perfect. Was so intimate, and everyone there said you know how intimate it was, and it made them want to get married. Could
1: you imagine if you're 200, or if you lived in the country 350 and 400?
3: Oh sure, stop, stop, I couldn't to be uh, I'm lucky anyway here, because I haven't got much family here, so that kind of you know, broke it down anyway. I know, so but I good. often
1: wonder for huge weddings, uh, where say the bride and the groom, they have to spend all day... Talking to people and making sure everybody's all right, you'd be exhausted after it.
3: That's it, that's it. And we were lucky we got married at two o'clock and it was just really, you know, chill. And, you know, it was just, it all just went really smoothly. We'd done the cake first and then we went down to Farrell's Bear
1: oh lovely his, yeah, and it yeah. was
3: lovely and Farrell went all out for his life you know it was just brilliant well so, your wedding I dress very
1: your wedding dress is go- gorgeous but the guy you married is a hunk his hair is fantastic oh. and, and his suit the is silver fox. the silver fox I love it and where did you get that suit incidentally?
3: In Garvin actually, we rented it. A rental? For, for, right. We did. We All rented right. it for about two days, I think, and we brought. I think his brother brought it back up then because he rented one there as well.
1: Okay, so he rented his suit, and you got a wedding dress in Debenhams. I did. I, do you know what?
3: I was lying in bed one morning, and my mom was online shopping, and I was on there, and I was looking at wedding dresses, and I was like, do you know what? I love that dress. It's strapless. I was like, it's gorgeous, and it was far to and I was like, Do you know what, I'm just going to take the chance and orders. So I did. Came two days later, and it was just perfect.
1: And it's perfect. got the kind of swirly, twirly bit at the it end as well. It
3: had the fishtail. Oh, thank it. you, it like,
1: the fishtail. Thank you, I'm a man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. Like, And I was just thinking I can just get it taken in a bit. So a lovely woman in Bellino took it in for me a small bit you know to make it fit I got like a size bigger just to like definitely make sure it was gonna fit
1: so and it worked out perfectly uh, so was it called a wedding dress because it looks like a wedding is that what it was that, is that what you it bought was, it as
3: yeah it was called a wedding dress on Debnams online for and 40 I was shocked at the price I know I was shocked I was like Do you know what I'm gonna jump on that and there. My God. And you could, and ha- yeah, you could either wear it strapless or not strapless. You could wear the straps in like multiple different ways or not strap. I don't know if you didn't want straps.
1: I don't know if we've it's shared this up online for people to have a look at it, particularly the one where you're walking up the red carpet. That's a beautiful photograph of the dress.
5: Yeah. Like people, some people
1: would put, there'd be two more zeros on the cost of the wedding dress. Four oh, zero yeah, zero like, zero.
3: Yeah, no, I like, couldn't imagine no paying that much. To be fair, do you know, we I mean, always oh, planned on doing it very low key and you know, minimum, you know, and 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 a budget like you know, and I was just so lucky to be honest. Like, you and know, did I, he... I did I did get a second grace as well. To be fair, for the after
1: for forty euro. <laughs>
3: for 20 euros for <laughs> the <a> second dress <laughs> <laughs> and I'm lying again and um, it just worked out grand again it was oh just like my. more of a relaxed kind of flowy lacy kind of dress
1: so it kind of doesn't matter what you ever do with that wedding dress for the cost you paid for it
3: that's it I used to let the bows and the second one you could wear it again you know in the summer time you know at a barbecue or something like it, it doesn't look too wedding-y dressy like you well know? you've told
1: everybody now the price of it but did you tell them price of it when you were getting married did you tell people how much it cost?
3: I did. I was very open with it all. Like you know, I told them all. You know, it's not. It's not going to be a big wedding. You know, it's going to be low key. You know that I. I was. I was proud of that I got the dress far too or I was telling everyone.
1: It's a beautiful dress and a great story and fabulous happy memories. Um, did Did you have issues in the rental crisis as well?
3: Um we did. Like when we were back, we've had a few rentals over. You know, over the few years that we are living together. Yeah, and um, we were in and Ballamacoda, they started upping the rent, so we moved to y'all. The landlord in you they only there a year. He sold up after a year, and we had to move again. But we were, like, really struggling now to find place. I could tell if this was happening years ago, like, you know, that I could just see that they were going down from when we first started looking for houses, you know. And basically, we, just, we, got, we got into Kila by the skin of our teeth. I don't even know how we pulled it off and we were there then for years, he was then selling, for four years we were oh, there, and then he God just say. decided to sell up. You're think,
1: always living with the worry of selling, yeah, you know, aren't you? you're
3: living in fear, like it's absolutely terrible, like, you know, and I was honest, you know, it wasn't even that long, and I was like, I actually thought I was falling into nearly, near depression, like, you know, at one stage with it, you know, because you just feel desperate, like. I know and um, I know. But basically <laughs> I put it on Facebook and the Killer inch community page and because I really wanted to stay in Killa because we loved Killer when we were there we got on great there like and basically oh yeah so we put it on Facebook and a man reached out to me and to be honest with you I actually thought it was a prank call because I was just like oh really do you know he was like I have a house out by the Yard Bridge do you want to come view it and I was like yeah but I was after writing to so many people and uh, you
1: thought it was too good to be oh, true but you went to have yeah, a look I anyway did you?
3: I did I I said I'll be out there now I went out straight away and oh Jesus we pulled up it's a lovely little house with an acre of land for the dogs you know because I put on Facebook that you know I didn't want to lose the dogs that we didn't know what we'd do you know if we couldn't get somewhere like you know with a garden you know appropriate for a dog and he and he that's why he's a dog lover as a landlord so he i think he was delighted that we had dogs he said he had a son before like that had trouble getting houses he had a german shepherd and you know he felt for people
1: like you know with dogs that couldn't get houses and have you moved into that house now
3: yeah that was in 2018 and we're here since
1: happy out happy out so it really worked out for his life but is the the is the plan to try and buy your own eventually
3: I don't know would i be in the position to be honest to buy my own you know but
1: yeah,
3: yeah. hopefully one day like you know I
1: know I know great stories great stories delighted that your what, dream like- came true Wonderful.
3: I know that's it. You know, it really did. You know, it really, really did. I count my blessings every day. You know, I really do.
1: What's your husband's Here's name? So we lovely. never mentioned the other fellow of course, the Silver Fox. Uh,
3: Peter, his name is.
1: All right. So, morning to Peter the Silver Fox. Great to catch yeah. up with you. Well done. I don't know if anybody could beat a 40 euro wedding dress. Let's find out, shall we? Mm, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Chloe. Take care. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Take care. Take care. So just a fast one on dogs, actually. Somebody said by text I had to hide my two collies from a previous landlord. As I had no choice, I was living there for four years. The landlord's agent was none the wiser, and the house has always been immaculate. Well, uh, take from what from that what you wish. There's an American attorney was listening yesterday, because I was very kind of kind of suspicious and bothered about people, um, you know, who are renting a property and the landlord is selling it and they have people coming in viewing the house while you're still living there it's still your home and you're still paying rent that kind of bothered me the american attorney says as an american attorney i recommend people checking their rental contract regarding viewings my one my one is typical uh, and says that i have to allow them to show the property at reasonable times and with reasonable notice i'd say that's standard i don't know about selling before the lease is up but I'd say you could definitely fight that if you cared to make the effort. Or instead, perhaps negotiate in your favor. Negotiate a decrease in rent until you leave or a, an absolute guarantee to get your deposit back. Okay, words of advice there from a lawyer. Back after the break.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to
1: 106 Red FM. Okay, I'd been chatting yesterday about a 45 euro wedding dress and of course Chloe's was 40. Anybody beat that? Text 0868 and it was us talking about other aspects of clothing and, and wedding dresses and, and event dresses like that. Uh, I, got a lo- I got a lovely email actually. It said, I heard you and Emer talking about wedding dresses today and celebrities selling them from charity. I would be delighted if you kept me on file in a filing cabinet. For when you're talking about sustainability. Um, and that was just the start of an email they got in from Katie Sloan. So she joins me by phone. Katie, good morning. Good
3: morning. How
5: are you? So,
1: so I'm, I put you in a file, in a filing cabinet, <laughs> and I'm now taking you out of the filing cabinet. Oh,
3: good. I didn't think it was, that, it was going to be that quick. <laughs> well, I, it is quick because
1: the topic is live. In another, yeah. few, in another few days, it may have been too late, right? I know, yeah So exactly. you you have uh, your own website and you will take anything that is over 20 years old sell it on through peach vintage clothing and give the yeah. person who gave you the clothes 40% of it back Is that it?
6: that's pretty much it in a nutshell
3: but it's not just vintage clothing actually um, I take everything from your high street clothing so say your your new looks or your top shops and um, once like some women give me items that have tags on them then I might have some dresses that may be worn once some items may be worn a hundred times, but they, once they're in excellent resellable condition, I take them, I photograph them, I put them up on my social media, and um, I sell them on, um, and they get new loving homes, and I suppose we're cutting down on getting rid of our clothes or leaving clothes sitting in the wardrobe. There's a kind of a feel-good factor for people that clear out their wardrobe. That I, have, I suppose I have two different types of customer where... Um, One customer might just give me clothing to sale to sell and never buy off me, and then I have the opposite um, customer where they just buy secondhand clothing from me and they might never have clothes to sell. So I'm kind of I'm in this nice circular what's called a circular fashion economy.
1: Why would women be giving you clothing with tags on them? Uh, Like what's the why do they buy them if they're not going to wear them?
3: Um, I suppose. I mean, I I was somebody like that before years ago. Oh, um, explain? Um, I,
1: I, like I buy something or it's yeah, bought for me, it. I wear it. I,
3: I I mean, I'm not like that anymore. I only buy, I only wear second hand clothing now. Though I might see something, I, I I actually love on my social media. I I sometimes I I I model inverted commas. I put the dresses on because. My mannequin is only a size eight, and I put I, I sell items from everything from size six to twenty. I've seen, I've
0: seen
1: some of your modelling poses, actually.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we put modelling in virtual commas, but it's just basically for the crack. I I but, just I, I like making people laugh. and the old I, you know, the before. old
1: you then, where you referred yeah. to being one of those that would keep stuff not, and not wear it. Yeah. What, what what was the logic there?
3: Um, it's just a need to buy. I suppose it's a feel good factor sometimes. Um, but there's also a feel-good factor about clearing out your wardrobe and getting rid of that item that has a tag on and getting money back for it.
1: No, I, I know, but do there. do women buy items on the spur of the moment thinking they're going to like them and a few hours later not like them when they bring them home, is it?
3: Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I bought items in the past where I just liked the colour. They might have been a size 6 or it might have been a size 24. I've bought vintage items. That's how I started the business in the first place because... I lived in the States years ago, and, and um, vintage over there is oh, it's extraordinary. Beautiful patterns and prints. Um, where, where it's so easy to get them there. And I just loved colour. I loved fabric. And I started collecting clothing over there, which was completely mad. I'd just buy something. I'd see something in a thrift shop or a vintage store. I pick it up and I and I brought it and years ago, there was a guy coming home from America and he was bringing in one of those big, massive trucks home. And I said, oh, by any chance, could you fill up the back of the truck? I've <laughs> got a lot of stuff. And he was I think he was thinking it was going to be furniture. And I landed on with about five boxes of vintage clothing um, and he shipped them home for me about 12 years ago. And I had them in the I had them in the attic and I take them down every so often and look at them and go, wow, these are so beautiful. But they were of no use to me because most of them didn't fit, um, and they were just sitting in the war. They were just sitting in the attic, doing nothing.
1: Why do not you, you sell them?
3: That's exactly why I started keep vintage. Um, I just took them. I was I was moving out of uh, the house I was living in. And I was downsizing, and I knew I couldn't bring all these beautiful items with me. And I just kind of, I, I suppose, I set up the Facebook page originally.
1: And is there more, is there more acceptability now? Is it growing about wearing other people's clothing?
3: Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm in business now three and a half years and I can see the different. Like, I used to, I started doing markets maybe six months after I started the Facebook page because it just blew up all of a sudden. Um, I sold my own clothes and I ran out and then my sisters and my cousins started. It kind of it sold out a lot quicker than expected. So my cousins and my sisters and my mum and aunts and they were like, "Oh, we'll give you stuff to sell." And um, I didn't give them the money for it. But it's,
1: it's and all, be. all their stuff sold as well.
3: All their stuff went. And then um, so this people would buy
1: anything, right?
3: Um, well, I only sell items that are in excellent resellable condition. They yeah. have to be like no errors or no stitching problems or, you know, in the best possible condition. Um, because obviously you don't want
1: to, you don't want but, to, I but, mean, I'm in business as well. But if they're but if they're old, they're out of fashion.
3: Uh, no, nothing ever goes in fashion. And I've realized that after starting this, I was never in fashion before. My sister is in retail 20 years and I was never, ever in fashion. And it I realize now, in, because I'm, I'm in this business three and a half years, I can see how quickly the fast fashion, like you might see, I might sell something and 12 months later, it arrives on the windows of the fast fashion shop in a different color with maybe just a tiny different cut. And i sold it 12 months later and it might have been four years old. Amazing. So it is amazing, really. Yeah, the, 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 I was uh,
1: reading an article last week. It just it was very interesting because the headline, you know, there were these headlines grab you. That were t- mm. the, the, the story, the, the nuts and bolts of the story was they looked at Boohoo and they looked at ASOS yeah. and they looked at Misguided and they looked at Pretty Little Things. And over the yeah. period of a fortnight of researching 10,000 items that were added uh, to their websites, were made from new plastics uh, and they contain products that will never, ever recycle. And they were talking, they were like, did you know that, I don't know what the stat is here, but in the UK, every single year, 300,000 tons of clothing is burned or buried Mm -hmm. in landfill.
3: Isn't Isn't that so upsetting when you say it out loud? Yeah. It really is, and they're yeah. and
1: they're hammering the likes of pretty little things and misguided by because they encourage unsustainable consumption. They have gimmicks like eight penny dresses and one pound bikinis and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Some are never worn, some were worn once and and huge amounts of clothing is being dumped by people.
3: And it's not just the fast fashion. I suppose it's not the pretty little things or the boohoo's as well. It's the high end fashion as well. Well, no, they, as know as they morning, are calling well. them
1: out, and only by calling yeah, out companies yeah. will you make them cop themselves on.
3: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm trying to do that in in a very small way. That you know, okay, I I don't want, I never want to be the kind of person that says don't go into to boohoo or don't buy online or because I mean. Uh, not everybody is going to follow the second hand rule. Uh, well, well, I know that, but, like, but just I, I just wonder how many people
1: are i 'm just wondering how many people are aware of actually what 's going on with the of, huge of like i mean we 've yeah. seen everything that 's coming into houses these days that 's being delivered yeah, from websites like yeah. this, masses of well, clothing I, and shoes and things
3: I suppose where I can help there is that you know okay, there is a little bit like as I said, there will be people that will never stop buying fast fashion they 'll always buy the new product. But where I can help, and I suppose other companies, I'm not sure, I, I think I'm pretty unique, as in, like, I, I don't know if there's any other online businesses like myself, especially in Cork, but I haven't seen them anyway, but I can take your clothing, the ones that have the tags that you feel a little bit guilty, I shouldn't have bought that, and okay. resell it for you and give okay. you back some of the money.
1: Okay, okay. So. so where do you store all of this?
3: So I I move very, very quickly. Um, I'm uh, cons- My price point kind of, for example, like a high street um, item could be anything from 9 to 18 euro, but they sell really, really quickly. Um, The vintage piece is all right. I put up a vintage piece um, yesterday um, and it's a Bob Mackie dress, which is a rare vintage find that I've gotten on consignment. That's 150 euro, but that's way above like that's of of my price point point. so items like that take a little bit longer to sell. But my my daily items, they sell really quickly. I take certain amounts of stock at, at one time. I have about six boxes of stock that run down really quickly. And then I get ready for the next batch. So is I this stuff numbers. you keep at
1: home then? You can keep it at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I, you and post I, it out, out then? then.
3: I do. I started my website in March last, well, kind of, I suppose April May last year of COVID because I used to like at the moment I'm sitting in a car park now because I'm I'm actually I've got a ba- I've got a box full of stuff here because I do local delivery, so I don't charge for local post. So I'm in um, I'm in Caradool today now and I'm meeting a lot of my customers, my well, regular done. customers.
1: I think it's fantastic. And I think it's great. Thank
3: you. And I'm trying to cut down on post, but like I do because cause the business has grown since since last since I did the website. I've got national and um, I post to UK as well.
1: So. But, but when you um, talk of peach vintage, this is clearly women's clothing, right?
3: No, I do men's as well. I, I, I right
1: have feet. some. I have some right handy items that are definitely out of fashion. <laughs> you they, can no, have no, no.
3: There's no such thing
7: as that. I know. No, these are like no. these are
1: these are these are, <laughs> <laughs> these are like shocking things. I don't know whoever <laughs> convinced me that they were not things to wear. Like I have this pair of jeans, right? Where yeah, th- they they're the baggiest, widest jeans you've ever right. seen in your whole life like they're like maybe a foot wide right down to the ground and I'm looking at them saying mother of god I look like one of I look like I look like either Laurel or Hardy I don't know which can one Can you wear them.
3: them going fishing? Like can you put Wellington's over them?
1: <laughs> all uh, would, then I would look them. even more daft than I would <laughs> You know you know, stuff I'd like a that I'd
3: braces and
1: you'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> all right this okay up. all right listen I'm <laughs> going to put you back into the filing cabinet now oh, and, wonderful. and wish you well but if people want to get in Thank touch you. it's peach Clo- vin- is it peach vintage clothing on, on Facebook
3: yeah it's um, peach yeah, yeah you'll find me under peach vintage clothing on Facebook and Instagram okay. and mm. I have the website as well peach vintage clothing
1: interesting <laughs> text here actually obviously. there's an interesting t- oh yeah on, <laughs> dot com as well okay obviously dot com is it dot IE no it's dot com actually okay peach vintage vintage clothing dot com it's an interesting text before I let you go Neil you should remind women a lot of women say they shouldn't be allowed to online shop late at night they will end up buying the strangest things apparently Lisa Jordan was on about it on her Instagram page recently any thoughts on that late night shopping
6: Oh,
3: well, my business starts kind of at six o'clock. At oh, I know, season, so I know, I know you, but you know the impulse, <laughs> I know that, but <laughs> no. the
1: impulse purchase that people will have when, you know, they have a bit of time on their hand late in the evening and they're scrolling, you know?
3: no shop all night <laughs> enjoy yourself alright so, take, take, take care Katie cheers take care bye bye check her bye. out bye.
1: Peach Vintage Clothing on Facebook and also dot com call the Neil Prenderville show now 1850 104 106 Red FM uh, uh, this is this is upsetting it's um, another one of these uh, rogue traders um, honestly I'm on the verge of a breakdown my marriage is coming to an end and I'm dealing with so much trauma from my life I couldn't possibly Speak on air, but I have been listening to show on the Cowboy Builders and Tradesmen this week. Uh, I feel shame, embarrassment, and anxiety about all of the mistakes I have made taking on a renovation. I've been screwed financially by the roofer and a neighbor who did some building work, and then by a local man who claimed to be a plasterer. I can't get anyone to fix the work already done or to finish the rest of the project. It is soul destroying. Everyone I contact either doesn't show up, or when they do, they don't want the work. I know materials have skyrocketed, but the cost of labour shouldn't have, especially when they're still claiming PUP payments, many of them. I've taken a loan out to do the renovation. Now I'm stuck repaying it on top of the mortgage. So financially, I'm stretched. My husband walked out a year ago and never looked back. So it's all down to me. I have a half-finished cottage that I can't even rent. And it is so heartbreaking. Where do you begin to kind of unpick and unravel that story? A woman who's left on her own says the husband walked out a year ago, never looked back, left her with all of the work. And she relied then on neighbors and people who said they could do it and would do it. Unfortunately, you can't rely on somebody's word. You really can't. It's got to be an awful lot more than that. And this is the situation you find yourself in now. And of course, can't get people to do the work, even though you have the money because you took out a loan that you're repaying. Um, I wonder if there are any tradespeople out there who might like to visit. Now, I know that many, many of the trades are very busy and a small proportion of them, unfortunately, are over quoting for jobs in the hope that you just won't hire them. But the quotes are so high that if you do, they say, well, if they say to themselves, well, if they're stupid enough to give me that kind of money, I'll do the work. But they're they're a minority. The vast majority are, are damn good. There may well be somebody there who might be able to go in, somebody who has a business that does all of that, you know, all of those different aspects of your work. And if they are, maybe they'll get in touch and we'll put them on to you and see if we can resolve that. I mean, you have money to spend. So anybody that can help, please get in touch. Text 868 And one quick one. Listen to your show yesterday morning about renting in Cork. Last week, I was looking for new accommodation for me and my six-year-old Shih Tzu, a dog. I work in the city. And I would have loved to have found somewhere in the city or somewhere nearby for us to live. However, it was next to impossible because I have a dog. I might try and get a, a chance to talk to Brenda about this because she she also has her own little dog, Winston. Uh, when I, I know you're busy now, but if if there was a chance, we might be able to just pick up on your situation. But anyway, um, anyway, work in the city. We'd love to have found somewhere in the city, but... Uh, It's impossible because I have a dog. I eventually found a place in McCroom, which is about 45 minutes' drive. I'm okay with this, as I'm lucky enough to have a car and to be able to drive. But what I would love to bring to your attention is the reason why I'm moving, in the hopes you can let others know. It was my first time living with the landlord. And after I moved in with her, she refused to give me a key to my bedroom door. (laughs) She would constantly invade my privacy by saying she needed to check my bedroom window, to make sure it was closed. What? That's weird. Once she walked in on me when I was just out of the shower. She hated it when I had friends over as she felt she needed privacy when she came home from work. Sounds to me as if she thought you were a bloody nuisance. She would make it awkward for my friends to call over by joining in our conversations. She could never talk about any... So I could never ever talk with anyone about anything private. When she found out I was dating, he was never allowed into the house. During the first lockdown, she took over the small kitchen come dining room for her work calls. I was confined to my bedroom with only a two-kilometer radius to move around outside the apartment. When I contacted Threshold, I was told I have no rights as a subletter and the landlord is allowed to do whatever she wants with her apartment. And that she has every right to refuse me a key to my bedroom door. What? She was just a nightmare to live with. I've heard similar stories from other renters. And was relieved to find out that it wasn't just happening to me. Never ever rent from a live-in landlord. Uh, Your privacy can be taken away. And you have no rights whatsoever. Please don't give out my details. I certainly won't. But that is extraordinary. Not getting a key to your own bedroom, not being allowed to have a boyfriend over, um you know walking into your room and that is totally and utterly unacceptable i I'm, I'm amazed actually i'm amazed the threshold said that you have no rights as a subletter, and the landlord is allowed to do whatever she wants and has every right to refuse your key to the bedroom door. I- That that sounds all wrong to me. Anybody? I mean, that's one of the worst landlord or landlady stories I've ever come across. Anyone beat that one or comment on that one? Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Meanwhile, Bethany, good morning. Can you hear me? All right. No, back after the break. The Neil Prenderville
0: Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM.
1: Mary says, don't be so surprised of women who still have clothing with tags on. I have clothes with tags on. I think they're lovely on me in the shop. But then I realize it's not that nice on me at home. And then I never return them. Or I buy tighter clothes thinking I lose my baby bellies. Then I never do. Why Why would they be nice in the shop but not nice at home? Is that something to do with the light are are the mirrors different? Or why would there not be the very same item of clothing you put on in the shop and then put on at home? I don't know, but appreciate that text. 0868 Right, back to our calls. Bethany, good morning. Hiya. How's things? All right, so you're French. Um... Uh, sorry, you're, so you're in, sorry <laughs> I, I put it the wrong way around. You're in France, from Cork, yeah. from Kilbritton originally. Yeah. Uh, so one of our overseas listeners. So thank you for that. Just on weddings and wedding dresses. Uh, and you've heard me chatting with uh, a 40 euro wedding dress caller a while ago um, by the name of Chloe. So uh, go ahead. Can you beat that? Or was it that you thought you were buying one cheap and it turned out not to be? Uh,
3: something along those lines. We were... At, at the time we just bought a house and so we were kind of putting funds towards getting the house ready so we didn't want to spend too much on the wedding that's never been a big deal to me yeah so uh my husband has a very big family and they all have their different talents and jobs and things so we were told that one of them as a gift was going to provide us with a wedding cake and can i ask just one.
1: from from point of view of context was this a french wedding or is it an irish wedding
3: Always oh, in France.
1: Okay. Is your husband French? Well, our
3: family... My, no, my husband's English, and he moved here about 10 years ago, and all I right. moved here about seven years gotcha. ago. Gotcha. So we okay. met here. Um, but his parents are here, and my parents are here already, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a case of getting everyone to come over for it. it was okay. We were mostly over here already.
1: So you had a um, huge family, lots of different talents, and they were all going to come yeah. together. Pick it up, yeah. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, exactly. And we were also told that um, one of them had had another relative who made wedding dresses so she was going to make it and then they were going to kind of foot the bill as a gift for the wedding but the thing is they lived in England so for one thing it meant buying tickets to go backwards and forward to England to to get the dress the size and the materials and, and pick out the passion and everything like that um, only to find out after the first visit where I'd chosen everything that that wasn't the case and how we were going to have to foot the bill
1: um, How could that happen if they said that they were going to do it?
3: because it didn't come from them it came through his mother uh. she told us that all these things were going to happen <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh so th- uh, things, yeah, were done, things were done but you, things were done but you were paying the yeah. bills <laughs> I see.
3: Exactly. It was already in motion by the time we realised we were actually going to have to pay the bill at the end of it. Nightmare. So we were still under the impression that it was going to be covered and we were going to, you know, have this as a gift. So I wasn't too bothered about the going backwards and forwards. But then, like, the second time over, she started telling me the price and things. I'm like, I don't know why you're telling me this. And then uh, all of a sudden found out that, you know, we were going to be footing the bill and it was €600 Euro for the dress itself.
1: Did she eventually and just come clean, is it? That-
3: uh, I think she just said it was a misunderstanding, and I was like, "Yeah, well, it was a bit of an expensive <laughs> misunderstanding, though." <laughs>
1: All right, okay. But, so at least uh, it was six hundred, yeah. not six thousand.
3: <laughs> yes, at, at least there was that. Yeah, was, but, there but was how also did the it cost of the going backwards and forwards? And it was based on a dress that I found online that was like fifty quid. That's the most upsetting part. Oh no! So it looked like a knock off version of the dress that I'd actually wanted. Oh
1: god! With the prices in reverse
3: yeah exactly oh, oh. and no cake in the end either what what happened to the cake yeah, that was another that was another misunderstanding apparently so we ended up with uh shop bought cake mix from little and a bit of rough icing
1: <laughs> it was a very organic wedding then
3: it was yeah yeah i you, mean it was meant you... to be fairly laid back but it was yeah
1: <laughs> You you have communications issues within your greater family group uh yeah
3: it's on his side of the family
1: so <laughs> so wh- how did you look on the day
3: oh it was it was fine i mean it, it turned out lovely like i said uh in the message it was at the end of the day everyone was happy everyone enjoyed themselves and i ended up marrying my best friend which was the main point you know that's the, the whole wedding is about actually getting married it's not about all the show of everything you know
1: Go, go no, and tell, an go and th- go and tell that to somebody who spends thirty or forty grand on a wedding. Or I don't wonder, I don't know what those days even ever come back again. Those crazy days of thirty or forty grand weddings, you know. I
2: hope
3: not. I'm.
1: Oh, please don't tell me you're gone. Oh, you are. Okay. Well, it's an overseas line. Actually, should oh, well, yeah, I do, because there was another aspect to the conversation that I just wanted to finish on, if that's possible, in a few seconds time. Uh, but there are a lot of other emails and texts and different topics coming on, um, and quite an amount of them have to do with um, rental and property prices and purchasing. So here's one. I'll come back to it in a few minutes time. Uh, I'd like if you could make a, com- I would like to make a comment. On the council after listening to Kenneth Flynn speaking about them on the programme. I've been on the housing list for four years. I live in my parents' house with six adults and three children under the age of three. I share a bed with my partner and my two babies. Count that up. There's four in the bed. I've had representation sent into council stating all the medical problems people living in this house have and how we're so badly affected with overcrowding. Incidentally, can you imagine what it must have been like through COVID over the last 15 or 16 months? My partner works every hour he can, and I'm currently in college. Everything we have worked, for, we have everything we have we work for. My son's been diagnosed with a blood disorder recently, so during the pandemic, it meant I had to give up my job to take care of him, as he has underlying problems. The council are an absolute disgrace, total disgrace. There is boarded up houses in my estate, and the neighbours have all gathered round and signed a petition, as they want us to have it. Our reply from the council was. The person who damaged the property was entitled to it back, even though they've been housed in the meantime. So that's a nonsensical response in my book. Uh, going back a few, uh, back, going back a few weeks, I was offered a house by the council. The house was a house I never bid on. I have proof of the houses I bid on. So now I'm being punished by the council and they've removed 12 months off the length of time I'm on the waiting list. I have TDs contact them and they're not replying. The city council, um, are a total disgrace. It's caused me undue stress and I'm considering going legal if it's not sorted. I thought, it, I thought it would be important to highlight this issue as I feel like the council are on a power trip and playing with people's lives, says Danielle. I appreciate the scenario you find yourself in, but I'm putting myself in the shoes of those who are listening to this program right now at this moment. And on two different occasions, three different occasions now this morning, I've read out either emails and text or texts from people who have refused houses that they were offered by Cork City Council and while I don't know the reasons why you refuse them uh, uh, and I'm I'm quite sure that it may well be genuine or there may be more than one I I fail to take on board everything you're saying to me with 100% compassion I'm I'm sorry I know it's awful but but when I'm thinking of it through the years of the people who are listening to this programme right now and they hear of somebody refusing a house they were offered by council whether you bid on it or not um one would think in the situation you find yourself in that when the council offer a house, the house has been renovated, the house has been upgraded, the house is perfect. Would somebody please explain to me why anybody would refuse a house on that basis when they are in a desperate situation and sometimes in your case, for instance, on the housing list for four years? Now, I don't mean to be unkind to you, but I'd like somebody to explain that to me, how anyone would refuse a house. Anyway, I'll try and get this call done because the line keeps coming and going. Back to France. Bethany? Hiya. There's a, just quickly, there's a report out this morning from the WHO, the World Health Organization, saying that alcohol should be banned from pregnant women. H- how you'd enforce it, I have no idea. Did you want to comment on that?
3: Uh, yeah, my husband messaged in about this I think. Um, when I was expecting my third, we went to see the midwife, the seller and um, Basically, we were chatting with him uh, and my iron levels had dropped quite low. And we were just talking to him about, like, we'd been watching Call the Midwife and we were saying how in that they, they advised them to drink Guinness. And he said, yeah, actually, that's a good idea.
1: But that so, show, isn't that in wanna... the 50s or 40s or something, is it?
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah. But he said it does hold true that it does get your iron levels up. So um, he, he said, you know, if he wanted to have a can of Guinness, it's not going to do much harm it'd probably do better than harm in that sense because it will lift my iron levels up yeah so got a plan on the way home
1: and did you go back the next morning then to be measured again
3: yeah I I had it measured again and they had gone up and they were normalised
1: wow so did you make that a regular can of Guinness every evening then did you
3: no no not regular like that not at all no just if you were you know Feeling like your levels were dropping low, or if you knew for a fact that your levels were dropping low, um, you'd have you'd have a can, and then it would usually normalise it all
1: again. Yeah, so that's just that's a can of stout, if you like. Mind you, it possibly should have been Murphy's or Beamish as opposed to Guinness being a Cork girl. But we we'll let you off the hook on that one. I suppose yeah. what I suppose what they're talking about is maybe pregnant women who drink maybe too much wine, or like gin and tonic would be too sh- too severe, wouldn't it? I would have there, yeah. Yeah. And are you enjoying life in France? Yeah, lovely. What it's, part? What I part?
3: Mean, uh, kind of mid-south, southwest kind of. Um, I don't know if you know anywhere in France, but uh, Limoges area.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So pretty near the coast it's there, south. are you?
3: Uh, no, no, not near the coast. We're kind of mid south area so it's about two hour drive to the seaside which is what i miss the most about kilbritain because i used to be able to open the window and hear the Uh, waves i know i know
1: so it's been a while since you've been back to kilbritain i suppose
3: uh yeah it's been a long time Uh, when we moved here that's when we sold our house in ireland which was heartbreaking for me i still haven't got over it dear
1: me okay well i'm sure there's always a welcome for you down west (laughs) Thank <laughs> nice. Thanks for taking the call. Regards to you all in France. Thanks, Bethany. Cheers. Yes. Text 0868 104 uh, People who are also overseas, uh, not just call, but also text and email. This is an interesting one. Don't give up my details, but I'm living and working in London and met other Irish people recently in the pub. Uh, half of them have moved over for the summer, even though they're all on the pub payment at home. To sum it up, they're getting paid in Ireland for pub and living it up here in London for the summer. It boiled my blood and I had to hold my tongue so hard not to give them a piece of my mind. The PUP payment scammers. Back to the phone lines we go. Valerie, good morning.
6: Good morning, Neil. How it's are you?
1: Good. We had some very, very sad anguish-filled stories yesterday from people who were struggling with regards to accommodation. I did, yeah. yeah. I did. And that prompted your text. So, tell me your own situation. You, You came originally, was it from Latvia?
6: Yes, I did. I moved, um, finished um secondary school um 19, just turned 19 and moved to Ireland. Uh, I don't know why did I pick Ireland, but I suppose I wanted to study abroad. Yeah. So I just I just went to Ireland.
1: And, and um, yeah, did, did you know of others who had already gone before you maybe?
6: like loads of Latvians would but not necessarily like my my relatives weren't here I was look I fell in love and kind of I just went with the flow I said let's go and try Ireland
1: to fall in love with the the Corkman
6: no, no, no! I fell in love with the Latvian man from All my right. own town, okay. and 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 you know what? Now I'm ma- married to an Irish guy. So oh, you fell
1: out of oh love God. with the Latvian and fell in love with the Irish fellow. Okay, you got there in the end. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So exactly. when you came here, tell me a little about that. You start. You did you go to college?
6: So when I came first, I had no English, right? Just to understand, like even though we done English in, in school, that was like the English level was just yes and no. And then uh, when I moved, I said, look, I, I look, I always wanted to study. All my friends were studying somewhere abroad. But they had much better English. So what I done is I done arts and crafts um, course for like a year, feet at five. And then that was my entry to a proper college. And then I started like my business um, course in LIT. So that's how I got, I suppose, into level six, seven. Yeah, but how whatever. did you learn
1: to speak English?
6: I just started working, like speaking to people, you know, just socializing, I suppose. Listening? You pick up, you know, <laughs> you pick it up. Nine years in school, you know, or whatever, well, you came whatever to, they teach you. You came to back. Cork,
1: though, where we, speak uh, th- the, where we speak the fastest English known to man.
6: I have to say I am from Tipperary, actually, because I live near Mitchellstown. So this is how I, I'm kind of close to Cork, but not very close. I'm on the border of three counties.
1: All right, where the three counties meet. Yeah,
6: exactly. exactly. So
1: what, you worked and worked and worked and uh, saved for a mortgage. Am I reading that right?
6: You are right. What I done was basically when, look, I didn't know education in Ireland. If you don't earn enough, um, education in, in Ireland is free. It's it's granted by government and then Susie will give you some sort of, um, grant every month. At the, at the time it was 600 or 300 or something in, you know, it depends on how much you, I suppose, how much is your income. But because I was under 24, I was assessed on the basis with my mom who lived in Germany and never helped me. Like, you know, I was independent and she was independent, but I feel like for the full four years in college, I was still assessed on the basis with my mom, which was quite, I don't know, silly if you ask me.
1: Okay, but, but, but you're not going to tell me you still managed to save your Susie grant for a mortgage.
6: I, I did, I did. This is what i done. Basically, I was working kind of full-time. Because people
1: will say you really. shouldn't have been entitled to the Susie grant if you were saving for it for a well, mortgage.
6: But you see, uh, I was working full-time. I was in college. It, it was my choice, right? And I was earning only maybe 14000 a year. In a, like I think I was well entitled to Susie because I had no financial support from no one and it, it turned well for me at the time that I was able to save right because maybe I'm good with money but at the same time you know I i I didn't live like I like a king you know I I, I saved I uh, to me that was to me that was more like what if something happens tomorrow tomorrow I don't have Anywhere okay. To go. Okay. Maybe okay. I will need that money. You, you'd that
1: have money. that. You'd have that nest yeah. egg. Okay, and I'll yeah. be interested what people think about that portion of my conversation with you. But you yeah. did save, and you did save, and you did get a mortgage.
6: Yes. What I done was after a few years, whatever. I I didn't particularly, I suppose, save for a mortgage, but I kind of got sick of renting, and I felt that we were coming out of recession, and I felt like. Oh, God, I, uh, you know, prices were just starting to increase. And, you know, the way they're gone now, they're just over the roof. And you got,
1: you got by and you got the mortgage, you get the house.
6: Yeah, exactly. I got with my uh, boyfriend at the time and I said, look, I have savings. You have, you know, higher income. And we kind of went together and just, just just went for the house.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's good. It worked out it worked out for you, but you say that young people you have you have a point of view as to why they can't afford a mortgage, is it?
6: Well, I I think that young people, like I'm 28 now, right? And I'm almost five years in my own house. But I feel that at the time, even or even now, when I talk or look at people, like uh, young people have a perception that they can just get things like doing TikTok or, you know, not working hard. To me, when I was in college and working full time, believe me, it was really hard. I was getting up at seven, eight in the morning, doing college till four, going to work till six. And it was nonstop for five
1: years nonstop but you said I mean, in the text they spend too much on fashion socializing yeah. and pints oh, and they need I, I, to control their own destiny
6: exactly so if 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 it's all about um putting priorities right right so if you want to live your life and which which we are told quite a lot now enjoy your life you're young travel that's fine I did the same. I traveled a bit. I uh, Look, I, I just, I lived, like, my parents helped me a bit sometimes. I don't know, you know, once a year with 200 euros, still paid my Ryanair uh, flights to, I don't know, Latvia to see my parents. But I suppose, like people are overspending on fashion like do we really need all that clothes do we yeah, really need yeah. all them bags from river island if you want one bag just buy one bag like spend 100 euros but don't spend like two three hundred euros on 50 bags why do you need them
1: you okay know? okay that's, okay. that's
6: my point better focus okay. i know sorry neil another point about pints. You know, I'm not against, I'm a very sociable person. I can go out, but I think people just overspend simply. I know COVID changed that a lot. But like, when you go out and you spend 300 euros a night, and I know many people that do that, like, would that be not better off being saved maybe, and maybe go once hey, a maybe, month? Uh,
1: yeah, I know, I'm, I'm kind of out of time for now, but people do need a social life. They need to enjoy life as well. You uh, know, and not I'm to be-
6: not against that. I'm I'm completely for it but it's just I think there is a bit too much mourning around with people and saying oh I can't afford, government owes me this government owes me that And I'm
1: you know, entitled, it's, it's, I'm entitled all the time Yeah, Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. I think right.
1: you
4: just need to go and work hard.
1: And okay, alright, listen I, I might get some response to our conversation after 11 but thank you for that Valerie
4: Hey it's Dave, join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home Big hits, loads of fun features and
0: traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4, Dave Max Drive Cork's
1: Red FM officially Ireland's Music Station of the Year. Right to be, sweet Marie. For the Wildlife Park, you've given me these great uh, family uh, pa- passes to give you. And I hope over the summer to grab and rob and steal and gather and plunder lots of other family passes. Some great opportunities in, uh, around the county, or indeed other counties as well, for you to go off with the family. In fact, if anybody's out there that's doing anything interesting that, uh, you know, involves... The public as tourists do get in touch. You know, whatever you might be. I was in, I was in your, I was in Cove yesterday. My God. Tell you that in a second. Photo Wildlife Park family passes you, two adults and two children, one adult and three children if you wish. And you have to pre-book for Photo Wildlife Park. Of course, pre-booking is essential because of the times we live in. So here is the audio piece. It's another aminal. You need to identify it. like as if there's more than one animal in there. There's a lot of different individual type noises there. But you need to identify, not now, until about a quarter to midday we'll open the phone lines and uh, family will head off to Foda. Yeah, I, I was in Cove yesterday. I happened to be quite close to Cove at one stage. Um, <laughs> I was down at the co-op stores in, uh, in Middleton. Why? Because I believe down in that shop. I personally believe they have the best non-stick frying pans because <laughs> God knows I've gone through lots of them and one day last year I bought one of them and it was incredible so I went back yesterday to buy three more anyway to so the by the way story so then I decided to head to Cove because it was a beautiful day and the sun was shining and I did and I drove down into the you know over the over the hill and down into the, into the valley of, of Cove town itself on the most beautiful sunny day and it was Magic. Cove is just so beautiful. The sun was shining. All of the cafes and the restaurants had their tables outside. People were sitting, they were eating. The Commodore is the most spectacular hotel ever. It's just so grand, as in grandeur, and large. And they had all of their seating outdoors. The promenade was beautiful, and people were there. And there were buskers playing Irish trad. It was just fantastic. I mean, I could have stayed there all day. I'd walk along the prom and down by the old jetty, had a stroll down, looked at the lunch and the dinner menu and the Titanic, and everybody was doing food. It was just wonderful. Uh, so that was really nice. Uh, so. Places to go over the summer include Cove, I don't you. You've got a couple of days out of Cove, even an overnight, that's for sure. Text 0868104106. You you were asking why um, do people have clothes with tags on, um, and you know they buy something in the shop that looks nice and they take it home and it doesn't. Somebody came back by text and said it's the mirrors in the shops that make you look way better. In some shops, I look skinnier and more tanned. It can depend on the shop. Do they do they do that intentionally with the mirror? Like, do they design mirrors in fashion shops, you know, a little bit more convex or concave or whatever, yeah? curved, I suppose, to make you look thinner, to squish you in? I mean, if they don't, they probably should. It would be a great way to sell gear, wouldn't it? You come home then. But that wouldn't work either because, okay, so it could fit you, but it mightn't suit you kind of thing, you know? Because of the mirror. Anyway, thanks for that. I'm beginning to understand that a little bit more. Beginning to understand body image. Oh, talking about body image, another big issue at the moment with regards to people and their body image is what they will resort to do to change their body image. And that can be steroids. And steroid use in Cork has gone through the roof. You know the people we're talking about. You can see them. They're huge. They're massive. They're buffed up. Sometimes it's legit, but most times you can tell when it's not. I want to chat to Stuart at some stage about um, um, about steroid use because and uh, a lot of this is being funneled through gyms, yeah. Unfortunately, that's where they're getting their product. So more on that maybe today, maybe maybe not, but certainly in the next in the next couple of days. My conversation with Valerie, where she mentioned saving the Susie Grant for a mortgage, I knew that that would um, you know get a couple of holes punched in it. What a load of bull! Just barely got the Susie Grant for my daughter. First one off to college. And Valerie gets gets one and saves it? What the hell? It makes no sense. She was working. And the Susie Grant. No wonder she came to Ireland. Another one here. Ah, now Saved her Susie Grant for a mortgage. That is so infuriating. We're still paying off credit union loans after putting our kids through college. We were entitled to no Susie at the time. You want to know why? Apparently we earned too much Yet we pay all our bills Taxes We did everything right in this country Sorry Neil Is it any wonder people say Look after our own first It's easy for Valerie isn't it Uh, And for the people who turn down uh, I'll stay with this now for a while if you want Tell that girl that she's a disgrace For turning down a house Oh my god I'll take the house Oh I forgot Me and my partner work our asses off Saving for a mortgage Shocking the people that live in this city. Maybe I could get a little bit more clarity on all of this. Kelly, good morning.
6: Morning Neil,
1: how are you? Three times today now I've read emails or texts out from people who were offered houses and I'm not talking about the people in Spring Lane where the absolute vast majority of them turned down houses but people who were desperate for a house and turned it down. Why do people do that?
3: Well, I don't know about other people in Leland and their circumstances, but with mine, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old Down syndrome boy. And last August, I was refused. I was offered a flat in Baker's Road. Now, as you may be aware of the flats in Baker's Road, there's no front garden, no back garden. There's a load of steps up to them. There's a balcony. Like, I have a Down syndrome child who's two. He can't crawl. He can't walk.
1: Now, can I just, before I hear more of your story, on the three that I read out this morning, they did not give me the reasons why. But none, none of them were flats. They were houses.
3: I don't know why anyone refused to help. Maybe it's because the areas that That maybe that they were offered in. I don't know. Maybe they have kids and they have special needs. There's some issues. I don't want to clarify them. But like, you, you're not going to refuse something for no reason. I know, obviously, you want to bring up your children in a nice area and nice place. But like, north side, south side, we're all the one. Like No matter what territory you're going to get put in nowadays, they're all mixed people. So okay. people shouldn't be refusing if they don't need to refuse them. So there's plenty of houses being built. People are fighting for them, you're not being offered them, and then you people refuse them. It is ungrateful that people are refusing houses, especially if they have no reason not to refuse them. But I don't know, Neil, Under my circumstances, were totally different.
1: Okay. I was offered a okay. Flat. okay. So go back to your own um, story then. Okay. When you say yeah, a flat, so what it, describe it to me.
3: It's a flat in Baker's Road, right across from Churchfield Park, at the top of Churchfield Park. There. There's about fifteen or sixteen of them there altogether. They have ones underneath and ones off the top, and I was off at the top class, so I'd no parking, and I'd no driveway, I'd no front garden, I'd no back garden. There was numerous steps up to the balcony to get into my front door, and then the balcony, of course. So I was like, I can't take this. I was like, I don't know when Callum is going to walk. He's two at the moment, so he can't even crawl. Like we're literally just getting him to start into bum shuffle now. Co can't tell me when my child's going to walk because he has low mobility. He's going to have to do years of physio and. Her everything like he's going to have to do a lot of stuff to help build up his muscles because he's so weak. So I was like, "Look, I'm not taking this." And the housing officer that offered to me that day, he was like, "It's totally unacceptable that this was sent up to you." And I was like, "I'm not taking it." And he was like, "Look, I understand." And he was like, "Look, you can refuse it." He was like, and he told me you not know, there that he's like, "You won't get taken off the list." And I was like, "I don't." And he was like, "No." How long were not-
1: you on the list, uh, Kelly? Uh,
3: six years at the time.
1: Okay. Okay. And like okay. this, this flat, like for how, for how many people would would have been living in there?
3: It was a three-bedroom. It would have been three of us, me and my two sons.
1: Three-bedroom flat? Yeah. Okay. And um, okay. Yeah.
3: he was like, no, he's like, you'll be fine. He's like, look, they can't... Did you go and visit?
1: Yeah. Did you did you view it?
3: No, they never let me view it. He just called me up and told me what, what like number it was. But I knew it, like when he said where they were, because he actually described it even before he got me to sign. and he was like, show you know the ones that you're coming up the hill. And I was like, no. And he was like, the one, the flat across from Churchfield Park. And I was like, no, way. Uh, I was like, I literally, I didn't even leave speak. I was like, there's no way I'm taken there. I know, what, like, there's plenty of drugs around that area. There's drugs in every area. And I was like, distressed. I was like, how am I bringing a child up? Like, if I was to do my shopping, where am I going? Where am I parking my car? The side of the road. Bring my kids in. Leave them at home. Go back to my shopping. Up and down steps. It just wasn't suitable. I was like, how can you offer a child that has Down syndrome a flat like this? So he's like, no, look, everything will work out. He goes, you'll be fine you won't get taken off list. So I got out from signing the forms from refusal and I ran Co-Foundation and I explained to Callum's team, I was like, look, they're after offering me this. And they were like, look, it'll be grand. So the physiotherapist wrote letters, the social worker on co did, the speech and language, everyone wrote letters to me to say like that. The flat was unacceptable and Young Lock and Heaney and Callum's team up there and they wrote letters. The months went by, we heard not. And so I was like, I could still bid in CBL. So I was like, thank all, I'm not taken off the list. I can continue to bid for a proper property for the kids. Um, and then we got a, I got a phone call one day from Callum Team to say that I was taken off the list and I was like, What? And then he goes, Yeah, there was a letter sent out I goes, I never received the letter So there was nothing never sent to my Well head you, you,
1: just, you get you get taken off for twelve months, is it?
3: Yeah, so what happens is they take you the off the list for twelve months, so like they don't reduce you by a year or not like that. You still like say I still had my six years but what happens is so like when they when I bid every Wednesday on CBL, when they print off everyone's bids it'll come up like um that I was deferred off the list for twelve months, so like they couldn't take my file into consideration. Gotcha. And for yeah, season. yeah. Even and though you had been pro- you had been
1: promised verbally that that wouldn't happen, did you have you yeah. got th- have you had that rectified?
6: Oh well, no. Like I'm still off the list till August now, so I'm nearly a year down the line. Now I'm, I still ring them every week and we
3: still complain. And I'm what, what there, are your so
1: circumstances now with you and the three kids? Like, do you mind me asking where I'm you? I w- kids. To where I you three, are?
3: Yeah. Oh, I'm renting in Farm forest In Farnborough. Okay. Okay. Um, But the house is just, where I'm living is unsuitable as well. Like, Callum gets extremely sick because it was damp and all that. Now, the landlord's after rectifying a good bit of that. But, like, just for his mobility stage, it's still too small. The house is extremely small. Like, I can't even get in a walker for him to try to help him stand. I'm hoping to get one in a few weeks now because I'm going to need it regardless. So you're
1: not being picky as such?
3: No, like, I'm not being picky as such. But when it comes to a flat or an apartment, like, I have no other choice but to review that. And, like... I don't know the the other people that emailed this morning. I don't know their situation and why they've refused. No, they didn't say,
1: you see. They just... Yeah,
3: so I don't know their circumstances, but if I was after the house in the morning, I'd, like, want to suitable for the kids if you grabbed it poor hands they would have no problem but th- these were Everyone these is. were,
1: to the best of my knowledge houses and houses come with at least a f- they come with at least a front garden and probably yeah, exactly. a back garden
3: but I hear it myself every week and it's on Facebook I'm from just talking around just, um, when I'm out meeting people you you'd hear people like I heard people refusing brand new houses as well the new ones in Blackpool you hear of people refusing them I don't know as I said I don't know other people's reasons and why I did, like, it's fair enough they got taken off the list for 12 months too, but I find it it was very unfair for me. Like, I had to go through a year. I cried, I'm sure, for about four months because I was traumatised of where they offered me and how they could, they like, think it was acceptable for Callum. And then I was like, Look, I have to get over it. I'm okay. looking at rent and I have a roof over my head. Okay. i mean I have that, like, so... All right. okay. I, like, I just have to pick it up for the year. But
1: so, like, you've... You, so, it's nearly... It's only a couple of months away from August. Three months away from yeah, August. I'd so
3: like you, you, you
1: you eight weeks tec- You were technically... Taken yeah, off I the list, for 12, off list yeah. for 12 months. Lisa, Lisa said here, I'm sure that the flats that the girl on the radio is talking about are the ones that have problems with rat infestation. Is that yeah, right? Yeah,
3: they do have rat infestation, yeah.
1: <laughs> you think that and they Oh, get...
3: I know that because they were only out there a few weeks ago. I know someone that lives over there and they were only out a few weeks ago. Well, you know why
1: there's rat infestation, case. don't you? Because of illegal dumping. Yeah. I wish people would cop themselves on.
3: Exactly. Like, you know, people aren't taking their houses to houses appropriate leader, like if you have a house look after it like just you, the cottage, yeah. country clean dump in Churchfield it's only a 10 hour a car load and I mean your car could be filled to the brim. it's like 2 euro a bag it's disgusting so like as I said like I had no other choice but to refuse that like other people maybe if they are refusing them they should give reasons why they are okay alright listen people like with special
6: needs kids that are waiting for houses and then you you
3: know? I understand you what you're don't. saying. No, OK,
1: very good points. Well made. Thank you for that. Cheers, Kelly. There's a, a list of reasons, actually, why people refuse high um, housing from Cork City Council and the Examiner uh, did a report on it recently. Um, I'm just I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here. Some of them some of them said that they let, let, let me just try if I can drill through these. They learnt that uh, one of them was a woman who was offered a three story home in Cove overlooking the magnificent views of Cork Harbour. She refused the house. She alleged that she and her children suffered from seasickness. At the time, she was living in sheltered accommodation when the offer was made to her. So she didn't want to move with the the house having magnificent views of Cork Harbour because she and the children suffered seasickness from land. Um, Another successful applicant turned down a house that was offered because she had to visit her sick father in Africa. Uh, i 'm just looking at these different spurious reasons as to why people who reject houses dismay really isn 't it? Um, apparently, the council spent up to thirty thousand bringing all of the different homes that they you know then went on to offer to people on the lists up to standard but despite the supposed housing crisis, people didn 't want them, and they were lo- talking about uh, uh, seven three beds, seven two beds. One, one bed, all advertised for rent in places like Carrigaline, Ballincollig, Glanmire, Middleton, Whitegate, Inchigiela, Blarney and Coachford. Uh, 40% refusals from the houses that they offered. Some claimed that uh, estates that they were moving into uh, were full of anti behaviour, even though many houses and offered were in well-established areas where Gardaí confirmed there was little or no crime. Um... One refusal said uh, to Cork County Council was because a man died in the house and there was no mass said. Uh, And I'd be very superstitious about that. So turn the house down. One said they are settled where they are. Another said uh, we've been living here a long time. This is my home. The two bedroom is too big for me at this stage of my life. It's kind of not really a reason, I suppose, if you're settled in an area that you are. I know that there is a, a much more extensive list of reasons as to why people... Uh, Turn down houses. And I'm not just staying the, I'm not going back to the one that. People make jokes about turning down the house because it's not close enough to me, ma'am. I know that that's been said more in a jokey fashion than anything. I hope. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now.
0: 86
1: Red FM. Uh, The flats the girl was on the radio about are the ones with the rat infestation, says Lisa. Another story is they want to be near their mammy, Neil, or the sitting room is not big enough. These are true stories. Uh, I know someone that turned a house down because there wasn't enough room out in the back garden for swings, and a trampoline. Wasn't there also that there wasn't enough space out front to park two cars? That was another one. Actually, the um, the trampoline one is true. Uh, Cork County Council officers rec- uh, revealed that they offered homes to applicants only for offers to be turned down because of ridiculous reasons, including the size of the garden. But I'm just looking at this now for the first time. One applicant refused the half- uh, house of- offer of a house because there was no space for a trampoline. Uh, they went on to talk about... Um, One particular year, I don't know, a portion of a year, uh, the properties were turned down by 26 people who were on the waiting list. Uh, The refusal of one house was on the basis of the garden size, um, and they deemed that to be a legitimate reason. I mean, like... How small was the garden, you know? How small was it? Um, You may not believe it, Neil, but the I want to be near my mammy is a true story. Uh, Another one here. These women coming on your show are full of excuses and doctor certs and medical problems. My God, my God, a three-bedroom apartment? Yes, please. And every house in the north side seems to be full of rats these days. My blood is boiling listening. It's all wrong, so wrong. Go out there and get knocked up and get a free house. It's a joke. Get out and get a job. That's not me speaking, Liz. That's a text. She just said if she just said it to Neil, waiting for a house. What do the rest of us do? We go and work, even with kids, and we save to buy our own houses. Uh, The Another one, the sense of entitlement in this country around social housing is just disgusting. Bobby says a council house should not be a house for life. It should be a leg up until you can move on to buying your own and then passing it on to the next couple needing a leg up. Brand new cars outside council houses are taking the pee, to be absolutely honest. And that's very interesting because I got an email in from somebody who said, I sold my old corporation house four years ago. Uh, Children were allowed out. At 8am while their parents nursed hangovers. Until 11pm at night they were kicking balls off houses, throwing their takeaway into gardens. I'm now living in a private estate where the kids behave normally and are not animalistic. They go to pitches with their parents. My old house has had two new owners for the same thing and they also sold. It's the parents who are to blame. My children have never hung, My children have never hung around houses terrorising people. They used to be brought to and from activities. Shame on adults allowing that carry on. I'm sure their children were rare, their children the same way. I, I thank you for When I read that email the first time off there, I was wondering, you sold your old corporation house because of the antisocial behaviour, but, but you never stopped to think to tell the people who were going to... I suppose you wouldn't really, would you? I was going to say, you never stopped to think to tell the people who bought the house that they would have the same problems as you. And they never discovered it. Um, I suppose you never would know, really, unless you... Anyway, you wouldn't be able to do this because there's so much demand for housing. But maybe at a time when there wasn't so much demand, did anybody kind of stake out a housing estate before they bought there? You know, just did a bit of a recce there for three or four days or maybe once a week for a few weeks just to see what it was like by day, see what the housing estate was like by night, see what the neighbourhood was like in general. And anyway, just a thought. Dan, Good morning. Hi Neil, great show, lovely. Thanks, to you my guys. man. Uh, picking up on Valerie, came over here from Latvia. Worked very hard. Went to college, got a job, got a mortgage, saved her Susie Grant, and that became her deposit. Um, people are very angry about that.
4: Yeah, well, look, Neil, I've got two points to make if I may. Yeah. Firstly, Neil, I'm very, I'm very impressed, very impressed with this lady who came over from Latvia. She obviously had very little Neil when she came here. Um, she seemed to have a great work ethic. She knows how to make, uh, how to work, how to make things happen. Uh, you know, she rolled up her sleeves, got stuck in, and made it happen. And now she's built a good life for herself. She's mm-hmm. not, but you know, she's not. Um, she's not in the housing list. She's, uh, she's got a mortgage. She's married. You know, she's
1: uh, she's built a good future for herself. Yeah, I accept all of that. Yes, she's a good you know, hard. That, my... that, is, that isn't to say that all people who need need a, lo- a leg up aren't hard workers. You know.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that, Neil, and. Um, you know, anybody who's out there hardworking, to me, is entitled to assistance. Now, the only the only issue I would say in that regard, Neil, is Ireland, by and large, is a welfare state. Um, I call it a begging bowl uh, state to a large extent. If you want something, you're getting your high horse. Um, blame a couple of politicians for your uh, for your uh, state in life and uh, stick out the begging bowl. I want this. I want that blah, 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 and, uh, and by and large people get it, Neil, there's no um, you know, you don't really have to work hard in Ireland Neil, to make a living, if you don't want to, you can survive nice and handy, by living under welfare, if you play your cards right, that's just how the system works. Ah yeah,
1: but I mean it would take a very specific exclusive type of person to be happy with that kind of life oh my well, god, yeah, what, what, I... a, what a boring, depressing dull life that would be
4: yeah, I agree with you 100%, Neil. However, Neil, I'm a regular. listener to your show; it's a great show. And uh, with respect to a lot of the people who who um, who phoned in, Neil, you can hear that they're begging ball. You know, they're bas- they're they're begging ball, begging ball cases. It's just everything. I want, I want, I want, I want the man who's working his butt off. Um, yeah, let's call him the person in the. Uh, you know, they they're they're the middle income bracket they're getting they're getting from the top they're getting from the bottom and uh, and ultimately they are subsidising Neil the um, the um, the basket case people you know the people who want to sit at home every day and do nothing people who people who need a lift up in life a leg up in life are entitled to it
1: especially if they're out there working hard trying to better themselves Okay it's it's, it's perfectly fine for you to call out the spongers and the freeloaders there's nobody going to disagree with that right there is nobody going Mm -hmm. to disagree with spongers Freeloaders, those who play the system—we see it again now over the last fifteen or sixteen months. Um, the pumps the pop scam artists—we're aware of those. One guy was up in court there recently, uh, and he got four months yesterday. Actually, got four months jail for. It. So, except that there are all of those, but we we have to have a welfare. You call it a welfare state. Um, we have to have a state that helps all people that need it—the vulnerable, the sick, you know, the, the those that um, you know find themselves on hard times. um, I'm, I'm not talking about the sponges and the freeload. I'm just talking about everybody else now. Taxation is used for that purpose, and we should be happy and willing to pay it. Yeah, you're okay with all of that, so yeah. that we can have so, so that we can have we can have a system where people can get payment if they can't work, if they if they if they suffer with disability, <coughs> um, if they are having homeless problems where they just cannot find somewhere to live, if they are sick, if they have sick children if they need services, if they have children on the spectrum. There are many reasons why we pay taxes.
4: Yeah, look, Neil, I'm all for helping people who need help in life. However, however, the pendulum, Neil, has started to swing uh, to the other side. It's now swinging to the, in the direction of sit at home, do nothing, and get everything for nothing. That is my... Um, and I was listening to Bloomberg Channel the other day, Neil, and they actually referred to Ireland as a breadbasket case. You know, if, if you compare Ireland to America, Neil, as you know, the uh, the welfare benefits and stuff you get here are just um, are unreal. It's, it's, it's a five-star hotel here compared to if you go to America and other first world countries and you don't roll up your sleeves. Oh, so, and do, you, do
1: you want us then, do you want us to mirror image countries that don't have a decent welfare system to help people who are in need? Is it, is it a case of, is it a case of, that's your problem, pal, I'm pulling the ladder up, I'm fine. Um, help people, Neil within reason. Um, I'm not for helping
4: people to the extent that they can live the five-star life of the state. That is what, um, that is what my uh, issue is there. But, uh, Neil, can I just move on to okay. another
1: point? that no, it'd be interesting to see people's reaction to those comments. Thank you, for them. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Neil, yeah, just another point there, if I may.
4: Um, Neil, I use my communion money to, buy my, to help me buy my first house. You must have had and, a lot um, of
1: relatives if you've got enough money from your communion to buy a house. Yeah, well, may I say, Neil,
4: to help me? To put my deposit together, like everybody, and to get up and running. And, uh, you know, as you go through life as a kid, it's your birthday, it's this and that, and then you get a few quid. And uh, my philosophy was say 50%, spend 50%. And and it worked for me. That's actually,
1: that's a similar point that Valerie was making, Valerie from Latvia, where she was saying that people socialize too much here. They spend way too much money on booze and fast fashion and social recreation. They don't work hard enough, and they don't save enough," she said.
4: Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, 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 she hits the nail on the head, Liam and uh, Neil. But when did you and buy your I'm house? I'm going back down into
1: the eighties. For God's sake, man! should I have bought my first house in nineteen ninety. Cost me right. in Roachestown. It cost me forty-seven thousand pounds. Not Correct. a not a bother in the world. Two and a half times salary off, you go. Brand new detached house. There you are. Well, look, Neil. Maybe you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. No, I don't know. no, no, that wasn't my. No, I didn't actually. I grew up with next to nothing. That isn't. That isn't what I'm saying, and that's not being disrespectful to my parents or my family. What yes. I'm saying. Is, what I'm saying is, it was very easy in the eighties and the early nineties to buy a house because they were cheap. They're not cheap huh? now.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, you, you make a fair point, Neil. Um, however, as you remember, Neil, the country was in massive recession back in the eighties. Um, if you got, uh, i did mate in the army. He got thirty quid a week. I mean come on. Thirty quid a week back in the eighties, it's
1: No, I, it I just bad. I worry about people who compare thirty or forty years ago with today. That's a different planet forty years ago to today. Firstly yeah. there's very little housing and secondly you're talking ah you're talking three seven five four hundred thousand openers.
4: You are you are Neil and yeah, the price is not mental today, but let's look at the principle, Neil. You know uh I saved my communion money. It got me in the property ladder, my confirmation money, etc., etc. 50% of it, Neil. I always, um, I always enjoyed a good cut of it as well. But the point I want to make, Neil, I guess, is today's kids, you know, they, they grew up, Neil, in the Celtic Tiger era, Neil, a lot of them that are looking for houses today. They grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth. Santa Claus brought them, um, you know, Christmas gifts that were worth two, three, four, five hundred. in some cases, thousands of euros. And, uh, you know, now that they, they didn't have a savings culture, Neil, they got everything for nothing.
1: A, lo- a lot of um, that is slaving to marketing, to advertising, and to the 60, 60, 70, 80 different channels that we have on television telling you buy, buy, buy. And a lot of it also has to do with parents who want to give their children things that they never had.
4: There, there is an element of that, Neil. However, buying kids new presents for thousand euro and this and that and they're thrown into the dustbin six or seven months later, that to me is, um, you know, that's... a. Uh, that's the first world um, problem, Neil.
1: Okay, feel free to hold on if you wish. We've covered an incredible amount of ground. You might want to jump back in again. Barry, good morning.
4: Neil, you're well, how
7: are
1: you? Good, good, go ahead.
7: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with a, lot of that, with a lot of what that man says, Neil, about Ireland being a social welfare country and the life dole, as I call them, generations of families who are on the dole you know, sponging off the system. When we have full employment in this country, like like we had before the pandemic... But don't you
1: get knocked off after a period of time?
7: You don't. It's absolute horse manure. You do not. And this proof of looking for work and how how much effort is put into it, Neil, behind the scenes, I've no idea. People just tend to just get the out and they get it without showing any proof of work of trying to work or looking for work but is it really is
1: it really true though that you'd have people I who are living is. in public authority housing and paying rent there um, yeah. with with suvs in the driveway um and three and four sun holidays <laughs> are they those makey up stories that uh, we look, hear about?
7: i i don't know verbatim because you're the of these things i've never been exposed to it i've never been around that but you know it, there's no there's no uh, smoke without fire and, oil, and i do agree with that gentleman And this PUP is another example of it. I mean, it should be means tested from now on. You know, if you're a student on 50 a week, now you're on 350 a week, you're giving 50 a week to go back to work. Or you're giving nothing to go back to your 50. It's ridiculous, Neil. And no government party will go after these people because they will not be popular. And that's the problem with this country. Get after these cheats. Half the people on the PUP are students on 50 quid a week and now on 350. Of course, they're not going to go back to work to take the money off stop the money to these people give it to those who genuinely need it and means test it from now on and eventually decrease it by 50 a month or 50 every two months until it's gone from Italy but, be, it but, oh, be,
1: but, but being one. but being say as they say entitled to a house comes yeah. with other issues or comes with other aspects yeah. of that entitlement and it includes Agree. HAP and it does include Agree. medical card and, and all of these Agree. different services that are provided do you, do you want all that Agree. wiped out
7: no, you don't, Neil, you means test everything. The PUP is the PUP for example should be stopped. Now we've enough of it. That's for those who genuinely need it give it to them. But means test every other student who's on fifty quid a week. Show me your earnings before PUP we gotta get serious. The government has to get serious on this now. We're giving away money and the problem here, Neil, is that no government party will go after the Chancellor's because it'll be it won't be popular and they'll probably lose their seat. They may they may wax lyric about it, but they won't they won't go after this. Ilk of person, the life dollars I call them, and we all know who they are. We see them. We've we've heard rumours, and but
1: who'd want to be? I often wonder, like who'd want to spend their entire life on know, the doll?
7: I have no idea. Have no idea now, but there are lots of them out there. They're, they're, and we know, we you know, they're, they're but uh, it's not popular. Neil, for people, for the government to go after them and to means tested. The dole should be means tested. The pup should be means tested from now on. They've had their free ride. You know...
1: Everything's mean-tested now, Barry, isn't it?
7: Everything. The pup pup isn't, and the dole isn't. The dole is given to you willy-nilly. Okay. It's a great system for those who need it. I'm for it. I'm all for it. I've paid my taxes all my life. I've worked hard... I said, my wife, and you know, in fairness, I've never been kind of exposed but does to Does it bother world, you,
1: to? The, does it bother you then that you're giving it to uh, an element of the um, people that you're giving to our spongers and freelancers? Yeah,
7: it does, hand in my heart. It absolutely does. The needy, and I give to charities monthly by direct debits, and I, you know, I, I do believe in helping everyone that need it. But the amount of people, Neil, that I believe are out there that are just puck lazy and there's generations of them, and it's just, it has to stop, Neil, we've got to stop.
1: All right, guys, okay, just thank you. Just give them for a free one, but All the, right.
7: pub, the pub payment has to mean tested from now on, Neil, and take it off the students on 50 a week before the pub, on 350 a week.
1: All right, we've course, made that point a few times. All right, thanks, Barry, yeah, thanks, Dan. You're wrong regarding pub payments, Neil. Anyone earning 120 to 200 a week before COVID is now on 250 a week. The government changed it in July. They now go on your last year's earnings. The more you earned, the more you received, with 350 being the max. Just a bit of clarity, please. I know because I was on 350 per week, but now I am on 250, as the government checked last year's accounts, says Anthony. Uh, People not going back to work to avoid paying the PUP, uh, to avoid giving up the PUP, I suppose, is an awful thing to do. People were glad of it at the time, but they won't pay it back. Typical of this country again. Take more and get more, get whatever you can for free. Other people will have to pay more to the revenue to cover those non-payers. They're a disgrace. Um, oh, I think the the point there really is that uh, uh, people who won't won't give up the PUP, is it? Because if they give up the PUP and go back to work, they'll start getting hammered with all of the taxation from the PUP that they were getting. Interesting. Okay, keep those coming. Text 868104106 Back to the phone lines. Call him, Good morning. Good morning, Ian. Okay, I'm going to do as much as I can. I don't have much time left. So your thoughts on vacant houses. Go ahead. There's 17
5: houses on Cateagle Road that are vacant. There's another four on Gronibur mm-hmm. Avenue. There's. Hang on a
1: second. Should I be writing this down now? Hold on a second. 17, go on. There's four on Gronibur Avenue. Yeah.
5: There's, there's seven on the um, cottages' ho- houses on the uh, left-hand side on Boyce Street, and there's another four houses before they're they're starting their renovation plans, and there's 23 in total on Blarney Street.
1: But how do you know? Did you count them?
5: I can count me. I've been going up and down these streets for nearly the last 20-odd years of my life, Uh, and even driving down, you can
1: see it, and they are all vacant. Okay. And they wouldn't necessarily all be city council houses, sure, they wouldn't call them.
5: Uh, no, but I'm, I'm not just saying city council houses, but I have seen city council houses with big signs up on the, the gates and on the windows saying uh, this house has been reno- renovated under such and such of act uh, for new houses. And sure, they're, they're, they started knocking down houses uh, towards the end of 2019 they finished just before start of the pandemic and stopped on boy Sisters I know, OK,
1: well I, I don't know I can't remember the number but Ken O'Flynn gave a number of um, properties that are on City Council's list I, th- I think it's below 100 or something I think he said, below 100 um, that are going through renovation at the moment there was a time when that was 450 I remember and probably even double that if I go back further so they are getting I- through them
5: I'm not just saying that, but I, they're saying there's a houses crisis, but like in a space of less than a couple hundred metres, there are 17 houses that could easily done up and given houses. Gotcha. There's actually houses done gotcha. and they're still vacant and they won't give up. People had to previ- um, get, uh, signed petitions to get other people houses from city council, and I've heard that from multiple people in Boyce
1: Street, Cathedral Road, and on Petitions from the neighbours to give the house to somebody they know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? To do something like that. But I you, you, you You can't just take the, uh,
5: the opinion of one person. No, yeah. I, no, no. I just oh, think I it's a nice
1: community that. effort to come together and try and help somebody like that. You know. Yeah. Well, the one person
5: that I do know who did get the who didn't get the house after waiting uh, three and a half years. Uh, he, he's a nice person, but like I wouldn't trust every petition that will go through. Oh, I see what you mean.
1: Okay, good point. Okay, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Fair play to Ken O'Flynn yesterday <coughs> with regards to the carry-on in Spring Lane. They are a law unto themselves. Ken O'Flynn always calls it as it is. I live in Ballyvalan. Everything he says is true. Ken is the only councillor speaking for our community. Oh my God, Neil, I have a newfound love for Ken O'Flynn. He'll get my vote always going forward, calling the travellers out for exactly what they are. Oh, I can't read that part out. That's not kind, but uh, let people make up their own mind as to what you mean by calling people out for exactly what they are. We all know it. Absolutely. Everyone knows it. All they do is take, take, take and give back absolutely nothing. Again, that's a very broad statement to make, but we are talking. I was yesterday talking about one specific issue, and that was the numbers with regards to what was going on in Spring Lane, the amount of offers that were made that were refused by many of the travelers there. And the reasons as to why they would refuse them, we covered all of that. We also spoke about the um, close now at this stage in the last few years to something in the region of €750,000 spent on all sorts of ancillary services that were needed. And a couple of horrifying stories about a man, a, const- a man in construction who was attacked in there when he went in to do some work. And then when they put in the toilet pods in there, they were stripped of all of their lead. Can't come on air. I'm working here paying ridiculous taxes to pay for the travelers free houses. It's ridiculous the country we live in. We are still paying for them when they refuse to work, cause trouble everywhere they go and are treated completely differently to everyone else. Another one. Good interview, Neil, with Ken O'Flynn. The truth is the truth. Left wing, politically incorrect censorship should not be tolerated. If Ken O'Flynn is telling the truth, then... Fact trumps feelings, says Peter. Uh, the travellers are just playing a game. They haven't a notion of moving. They want houses in Ellis's yard site adjacent to the halting site. So the status quo in the area will remain. We, the taxpayer, are expected by the travellers to pay for this development for them. Giving travellers ethnic status without conditions was a big, big mistake. Uh, one more. What is the criteria for a council house? Is it not being able to afford a mortgage? Is not being able to afford 20 grand of a caravan park in the drive next to a 30 grand Harley Davidson motorbike or a Q7 Jeep. Or maybe it's being able to afford a 172 Mercedes. Because in the case of Middleton, these are the stories from Middleton. We are a joke, says Jarre. The condition of the halting site is down to the occupants of the site. No one else goes in there. What does the ombudsman think turns the site into a dump, says Pat?
3: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106.
1: Somebody says, hey Neil, what's with the three frying pans, man? Um, That's from uh, the co-op stores down in Middleton. One is for Cork, one is for Port McGee, and one is for Just In Case. You know, you always have to look after Just In Case, don't you? Just In Case has always got to be brought into the mix here. Just in case. Okay, uh, you will struggle with this piece of audio, right? So, uh, what have I got? I'm going to open the phone lines for you, Brenda, right? So, this is for the photo wildlife pass. I'll wreck her head here. It's a family pass. Uh, one adult, three children, two adults, two children, whatever the case may be. Family pass for photo. This is the audio piece. <coughs> it's an extraordinary sound. Just to give you a little bit of help, that animal does not eat meat, which makes it a herbivore. And the entire list of animals at Photo Wildlife Park can be found at photowildlife.ie. And this animal is on the list, which means that this animal actually lives, maybe with others like it, maybe there's a family of them, I'd say there is, um, in Photo Wildlife Park. Hear that bit of That's kind of the more important bit to the whining, whinging sound. <laughs> they're very quiet, like, but that's the sound they make when they're not too quiet. So that might help you. They don't eat meat and they're on the list, which means that they are down on photo. So if that helps, well and good. Get Dolly now for that. one 104 106 Family pass. We'll take caller 10 until we get a correct answer. All right. Okay. Just going to love you and leave you and we'll pick it all up in the morning. But before I go, Eileen, good morning hello why um, did I get texts from people saying that um, the clothing they buy in the shop might look nice on them in the shop when they go home it doesn't look nice and it all has to do with the mirrors
3: it's all to do with the mirrors why all the mirrors are tilted away from you
2: very very you hardly notice it
0: oh
2: and that elongates your figure makes you look slimmer and in my case (laughs)
1: be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are anyway, regardless oh, yeah, of the mirror. I'm
2: not doing too bad for 90.
1: Oh my God. We spoke before, Eileen, didn't we? I don't think so. Oh, well, it I must have been another... you a message, all right, one time. To maybe somebody that, who gave the phone. Maybe that might have been it. So, Does my voice sound familiar? Well, I just... It just rang a bell, but it might have been a text. But maybe it was a text from another... Maybe it was your text, where you also maybe described yourself as not doing too bad for a 90-year-old. Still fashion shopping. Fair play to you. But are the <laughs> are the mirrors not stuck to walls in the fashion shops? They no?
3: are, but they're slightly tilted.
1: Oh, even on the wall? Even on the wall. Do you think that's cheating? Do you think it's fair?
3: Well, oh, I don't mind. I know what I look like. I have, mir- I have
1: mirrors at home. <laughs> when you go... So when you go home then... Does I look like what I buy sometimes. So mirrors... That was the text. Said, mirrors in shops make you look way better. In some shops, I look skinnier and more tanned. It can depend on well, the shop. oh
3: I don't know about the tan. Maybe the mirror is tinted. But I know that they're tilted and they give you, make you look slender and more and taller.
1: And then you bring it home and you put it on and you look in your own mirror and you're in... And you see what you're reading. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe all of our mirrors at home should be tilted then.
3: Uh, Exactly. I have one that that tilts because the the screws are kind of
1: loose and that, you know... And do you look fab in it? Oh, I look great when it tilts away from me. Well, that's the only mirror you should look in, then. That's right. <laughs> right. I, I swing it
3: straight. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing about mirrors. Right. If you put a mirror on the table or somewhere down down on the table
2: and look into it from above,
1: you'll know what you really look like. How do I do that now? So I got to kind of, I kind of have to hover over it. Yes will I like will I like what I see then no no <laughs> have you done no, you won't have you done that <laughs> Yes, I have and why does it make you look not as nice
3: because all your skin sags out
1: <laughs> but don't ever do that again <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever do that again. You're experimenting way too much with mirrors. Look after I am, yourself finally. Okay. I mean. okay. God bless. Take okay. care. Okay. Bye-bye. Lines Bye. stay open okay. at one 104106 Text 86 8104 Tomorrow's Friday. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: Neil Prendeville, the voice of Cork, weekdays 9 to 12, Cork's Red FM.